الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد نعم عن أبي عمرو وقيل أبي عمرة سفيان بن عبد الله رضي الله عنه قال قلت يا رسول الله قل لي في الإسلام قولا لا أسأل عنك أحد أحدا غيرك لا أسأل عنه أحدا غيرك قال قل آمنت بالله ثم استقم رواه مسلم أبي عمرة أم أبي عمر and some said his name is not أبي عمر rather it's أبي عمرة سفيان بن عبد الله he said قلت يا رسول الله I said to the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم قل لي في الإسلام قولا say to me a statement in Islam which I will not need to ask anyone after you. Say something to me that when you inform me about it, I won't need to ask anyone after you. Then the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to him, قُلْ say, آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ I believe in Allah ثُمَّ اسْتَقِمْ and be steadfast. So the first thing he was requested to do was to say, I believe in Allah and then be steadfast. Istiqama, being steadfast, brothers, or to be far, uh, steadfast, you would need ten things. Write this down, inshallah ta'ala. To be steadfast, you would need ten things. The first point is istiqama minnatun ilahiyatun wahibatun rabbaniya. It's a godly gift. Istiqama is a gift from Allah Azza wa Jalla. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala gives istiqama to who He wills. Okay? That's what Allah said in the ayah. وَلَوْ أَنَّهُمْ فَعَلُوا مَا يُعَظُونَ بِهِ لَكَانَ خَيْرًا لَهُمْ وَأَشَدَّ تَثْبِيتًا وَإِذَا لَآتَيْنَاهُمْ مِنْ لَدُنَّا أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا وَلَهَدَيْنَاهُمْ صِرَاطًا مُسْتَقِيمًا We will make them steadfast. We will guide them to the best path. So who does وَلَهَدَيْنَاهُمْ صِرَاطًا مُسْتَقِيمًا Then istiqama means what? We're going to say it soon inshallah. Is that Allah puts you on the right path. This is something Allah does. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surah An-Nisa, ayah 66 to ayah 68. Surah An-Nisa. Ayah 66 to 68. Allah also says, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَعَتَصَمُوا بِهِ فَسَيُدْخِلُهُمْ فِي رَحْمَةٍ مِّنْهُ وَفَضْلٍ وَيَهْدِيهِمْ إِلَيْهِ صَرَاطًا مُسْتَقِيمًا So, many places. وَاللَّهُ يَدْعُوا إِلَى دَارِ السَّلَامِ وَيَهْدِيهِ وَيَهْدِيهِ مَنْ يَنْشَاءُ إِلَى صَرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمًا Allah guides. And Allah makes because of it being in Allah's hand, it entails that you beg Allah for it. Who do you ask? You ask Allah. And that's why Allah say, the Prophet 
he used to always increase in saying, Ya Muqallib al Qurub, Thabbit Qalbi ala Deeni. The one who tosses and turns the heart, keep my heart on the straight path. The Prophet used to say that, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we say that a lot in the Salah when we pray every single rak'ah, we have to read Surah Al Fatiha and we say, Ihdina Salat al Mustaqim. So we're asking for istiqama. Number two. The second way to attain istiqama is to know the reality of istiqama. To know the reality of istiqama. What is istiqama? What is the reality of al istiqama? What does istiqama actually mean? So you'd have to go to the statements of the, the imams, the sahabas, what they mentioned istiqama to mean. Abu Bakr as Siddiq, Siddiq Hadil Ummah. Abu Bakr. When he came to the ayah, Inna ladina qalu rabbuna Allah, he said, Humul ladina lam yushriku billahi shay'a. Abu Bakr Siddiq, his definition of istiqama and the reality of istiqama to him is a tawheed. He said, Inna ladina qalu rabbuna Allah, thumma istiqamu, he said, Humul ladina lam yushriku billahi shay'a. They are the ones who do not associate partners with Allah. Umar radiallahu anhu, when he recited the ayah, he said, The people of Istiqama are those who don't look right or left and don't deviate from the path like the, the fox. You all know the fox. The fox doesn't stick to one road. The fox goes the opposite directions and he doesn't keep straight. The people of Istiqama, he said, they are the ones who are They don't go right or left. They just keep focused on that path. Abdullah ibn Abbas, when he read the ayah, he said, Again, Ibn Abbas, it's what? La ilaha illallah. Um, the same was narrated from Anas ibn Malik. The same was narrated from Mujahid. Al-Aswad ibn Hilal, Zayd ibn Aslam, Al-Suddi, Ikrima. And other than them, they all said that's what it means. Abdullah ibn Abbas has another view of what istiqama is. And what did he say? That view is istiqamu ala adai faraidhi. He said it is that they fulfill the obligatory things on them. Ibn Abbas said. Ibn Abbas also said istiqama is istiqamu ala adai faraidhi. The obligatory things they fulfill it. Abu Aliya, who is the student of Ibn Abbas and Ibn Umar, he said that the istiqama it means thumma akhlasu lahu dina wal amal. Their religion is based upon sincerity. They act in accordance to sincerity. They learn with sincerity. Qatada, he said, it means they are steadfast upon the obedience of Allah wa ta'ala. So these are the different views of the Imams, the great scholars, the masters of tafsir. What would be a good comprehensive definition? A comprehensive definition is the definition of Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyah rahimahullah. Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, فَالْإِسْتِقَامَ كَلِمَةٌ جَامِعَةٌ Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, istiqama is a comprehensive term. So it's a general term. A very comprehensive term. أَخِذَةٌ بِمَجَامِعِ الدِّينِ And it encompasses the, in, the religion in its entirety. Istiqama is the whole entire religion. It's a very comprehensive term. 
it encompasses the religion in its entirety that's what he's saying and what is it I'm he says it's to stand in front of Allah this is what it means it is to stand in front of Allah with truthfulness with truthfulness and fulfilling the covenant and the oath that you made with him subhanahu wa ta'ala that's what istiqamah is istiqamah is to be truthful to Allah and his religion and it, is, it also means to fulfill the promise that you made is to fulfill the promise that you made and what is, the, what is the promise that we made the promise that we made was when we were in the uh, we, we were in Alam Mudar before we even came into existence Allah Taala took a covenant with us as Allah said in the Quran وَإِذْ أَخَذَ رَبُّكَ مِنْ بَنِي آدَمَ مِنْ ذُهُورِهِمْ وَأَشَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ قَالُوا بَلَىٰ شَهِدْنَا أَنْ تَقُولُوا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِنَّا كُنَّا عَنْ هَذَا غَافِلِينَ We all made a promise with Allah Taala, and we said that to Allah that we believe you are our Lord. We made that promise. And the prophets and the messengers, they came to remind us of that. And the scholars, they say that that promise is what the fitrah is. The fitrah is that promise that we made with Allah that day. Allah said, am I not your Lord? And everyone said yes. Everyone said what? Everyone said yes. So, istiqama is that you, you fulfill that promise that you made and you don't break it. The third is the foundation of istiqama is the heart. The foundation of istiqama is the heart. And that's where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said in the hadith, Al-Imam Ahmad narrated fi musnadih, min hadith Anas ibn Malikin, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, la yastaqimu, la yastaqimu imanu abdin hatta yastaqim qalbuh. That a person's iman will not be steadfast. You cannot be steadfast unless your heart is steadfast. Foundation. And we took that in the hadith before, that inside the human body there's an organ if this organ is steadfast then the whole entire body is steadfast it's the heart the fourth inshallah is the istiqama that is required from the person this is the fourth one the istiqama that is required from the people is to the best of their ability. That istiqamah that is needed from you is the best of your ability. Is to go as far as, as you can to what Allah commanded subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's not, it's not to overburden yourself. Okay, that is the istiqamah is to do the best that you can do. The best that you can do. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, Inna deena yusrun. The religion is easy. It's religion is easy. No one makes this religion so hard except that it will overcome him. Fasadidu means come as close as possible. Come with the best that you can do. Be moderate in what you do. Don't do extreme and go overboard if you do that. The Prophet said, There's no one who does that, who goes, oh, too hard on everything, except that you find after a while 
he goes to another extreme which is I'm not a Muslim anymore I'm not this I'm not that because one extreme gives birth to the other extreme okay the person and you tend to find people who call themselves ex-Muslims you will find this a lot a lot of them they, when they came into the deen they were one extreme onto the other side and then they now they went to the other extreme so their character is always just to be extreme they don't do things with moderation and one of the extreme things that you tend to find amongst people is some people they like the concept of khalif tu'raf khalif tu'raf oppose the people you'll be known some people they like that oppose the people bring something new to the people so you'll be known the people will know you you'll be famous you don't do that you tell the people that which their brains can understand what do you, what do you bring to the people? you bring to the people what they understand and what they know don't bring them strange opinions I'll give you an example you know a community you know a particular community they have a no knowledge of qiraat and they don't know these things they don't know it they've, they've grown up they've only heard and they're Bedouins they only know one qiraat they've heard of Hafs and that's all they know this is all they know you go and you read something different to what they know this is very problematic read for them what they know are we all together and what their minds can comprehend and what they can understand don't bring them something I remember one time a brother he came to a group of people and he held the opinion that when you finish the salah you can only make one taslim only one taslim and you don't have to make two huh? some of you haven't even heard of that who's heard of that opinion that when you finish the salah, you can say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. That's it. And not do the second one. Yeah? So not many people don't know that. So he did that for a people, a jama'ah. And the whole masjid went wild. And the people were losing it. What happened today? The religion got changed. They told the iman, you did a, you did a mistake. Do another rak'ah for us. He said, no, I didn't do a mistake. They said, you did. It's two suits uh, to slim. Why are you doing this to Amatunas? Are we all together, brothers? Maybe if it's in your house and they're students of knowledge and they understand and when you tell them about it, they'll take the hadith, whatever. If, if that's how it is, no problem. But to make it something, this is a, you tend to find amongst the people. Khalif Tu'raf. Oppose the people, you'll be known. Bring something new, people will know you. Do you know this Imam? Huh? He does the one salam. People like that. Number five. Is it number five or number six? Ah, number five. Istiqama occurs from your speech, your actions, and your intentions. Istiqama occurs from your speech, and it also occurs from your actions, and it also occurs from your intentions. And this is important because a lot of people, they say, my heart is good. My heart is steadfast. What we say is istiqama comes from all of these three. Are we all together? It comes from all three. So for you to say, my heart is good, that's just you coming with one form of istiqama. What about the istiqama of your tongue? What about the istiqama of your actions? So the person who has istiqama in their tongue, they don't speak foul language. The person who has istiqama in their actions, they don't also do things that are opposing to the religion. Naam. Number six is istiqama cannot occur illa lillah wa billah wa ala amrillah 
There can't be istiqama. Illa, illa lillahi. Wa billahi wa ala amrillahi. What does that mean? The first one is lillahi. What does lillahi mean? Istiqama cannot occur unless it's based on sincerity. Unless it's based upon sincerity. That's what Allah said. وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ وَبِاللَّهِ means not with the help and the aid of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. And that's why Allah mentions it in the Quran many places. فَعْبُدُهُ وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَيْهِ Worship Him subhanahu wa ta'ala and rely on Him. Istiqama is a worship. It's a ibadah. So you can't come with any form of ibadah unless you rely on Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. That's why Allah emphasizes on it a lot. And even in Surah Al-Fatiha, what do we say? Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'een. Nasta'een means we're relying on you, O Allah, to make us be able to do ibadah. We can't even pray the salah if you didn't give us the ability to do it. And the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ihris ala ma yanfa'uka billahi wa sta'in billah. Strive to what will benefit you and rely on Allah. And the third one is wa ala amrillah. Wa ala amrillah means istiqama is not done in the way you want to do it. Istiqama is done in the way Allah and His Messenger sanction. Istiqama is done based on the commandment of Allah and the way Allah sanctioned it. That's what Allah said in the Quran, فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ Be steadfast in the way you were commanded. So Allah tells us how we do istiqama. Some people, they want to do istiqama in their own little way. Oh, this is my little... No, no, no. Istiqama is not set by you or me. Okay, Allah and His Messenger said it. Number seven. على العبد مهما استقام ألا يتكل على عمله. The seventh one is if you see steadfastness from yourself and you see that you're steadfast, don't rely on your own actions. So this one here is don't rely on your actions. Don't say, yep, alhamdulillah, I am steadfast, and so walillah alhamdulillah, there's nothing for me to worry about. No, rely on Allah تبارك وتعالى. We all know the famous hadith, لَنْ يَدْخُلَ أَحَدُكُمُ الْجَنَّةَ بِعَمَلِهِ No one's going to enter Jannah because of his actions. قِيلَ وَلَا أَنْتَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ The messenger was asked, even you? He said, even, he, even me, I won't enter Jannah because of my actions alone. Allah's mercy will allow me to enter Jannah. Number eight. What is the f- benefits of istiqama? I mean, knowing the benefits of istiqama. Brothers, istiqama, what did I say it means? It's to be upon the sirat al-mustaqim, right? Istiqama is to be on the straight path. Sahih? That's what istiqama is. Istiqama means that you're straight on the path. Correct? Yeah, brothers? Yeah? Okay. Being steadfast on this path, brothers, and to be on this path in this dunya is going to make you pay attention. Steadfast on the sirat of the Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So there's two sirat. The sirat, sirat al-mustaqim here, and the sirat of the Day of Judgment. So the benefits that you get of being steadfast in this world is that when you come the Day of Judgment and you go on the sirat, you will not fall off. And Allah told us subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran that the sirat, under it is Jahannam. Under the sirat is what? Jahannam. Allah says, وَإِن مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا كَانَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّكَ حَتْمًا مَقَضِيًّا ثُمَّ نُنَجِّ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْا وَنَظَرُوا ظَالِمِينَ فِيهَا جِثِيًّا The Jahannam, on top of it, is where the Sirat falls. If you fall, 
you're going to fall into Jahannam. So you're not going to be, your legs are not going to be steadfast and strong on the sirat of the qiyamah unless you are what? Steadfast on the sirat on this earth. You're not. Pay attention. So that's the greatest benefit. And this helps you to be steadfast when you always remind yourself that if you fall off this sirat on this dunya, then you're going to fall off the sirat of the, of the day of judgment. Number nine. The things that prevent you from gaining steadfastness is desires and doubts. These are the two things that get in the way of istiqamah. Doubts and desires. These two things will divert you from it. And there are callers who call you to these two. Follow the straight path, the Prophet said. And don't follow these other paths. These other paths are going to call you to doubt and desires. And then what are they going to do to you? They're going to take you away from the Sirat al Mustaqim. They're going to take, away, take you away from the, the, the uh, steadfastness. And they're going to throw you into a shubuhati wa shahawat and desires and doubts. So be careful of those two. And the last point is, inshallah ta'ala, one of the greatest things that harm your istiqamah and wound it is at tashabbuhu bil kuffar, imitating the disbelievers. Imitating the disbelievers is the greatest harm that effect, affects your istiqamah. And that's why when we say sirat al mustaqim straight after that what do we say sirat al ladina so we're asking allah to guide us to the straight path the path that he has guided to the righteous people and not the path of the disbelievers the yahud and the nasara ya allah we don't want to be on their path is the christians and sorry is the yahud and is the christians so, the opposing of that is the path of the disbelievers. So, we seek refuge in Allah from it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the 10 points for al istiqamah. So, this companion, when he came to the Prophet, he said, Oh, Prophet of Allah, say to me about Islam something. I'm never going to ask anyone about it. And the Prophet said, Say, قُلْ آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ ثُمَّ استقيم. Say, I believe in Allah and be steadfast. رَوَهُ مُسْلِمٌ Al-Imam Muslim narrated it. Naam. Al-Hadith al-Thani wal-Ishroon An Jabir ibn Abdillahi al-Ansari radiyallahu anhu Anna rajunan sa'ala Rasulallah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam afqal أرأيت إذا صليت الصلوات المكتوبات وصمت رمضان وأحللت الحلال وحرمت الحرام ولم ولم أزد على ذلك شيئا أدخل الجنة قال نعم رواه مسلم ومعنى حرمت الحرام اجتنبته ومعنى أحللت الحلال فعلته معتقدا حلة جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله تعالى عنهما may Allah be pleased with him and his father he said I asked the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم I pray five times a day. I pray five times a day. Ramadana and I fast what? The month of Ramadan. And I make the halal halal. 
What does he mean make, I make the halal halal? Is he the one who can sanction what is halal and halal haram? Now what Mu'adh radiallahu Jabir means is I believe that it's halal. That's, that's our job. Allah ta'ala makes something halal, we believe it's halal. Allah makes something haram, we believe it's haram. So وَأَحْلَلْتُ الْحَلَالَ means اِعْتَقَدْتُ حِلَّةً I believe in it's, that it's halal. وَحَرَّمْتُ الْحَرَامَ means I believe that this is haram. اِعْتَقَدْتُ حُرْمَتَهُ I believe that it's haram. And look what he said after that. وَلَمْ أَزِدْ عَلَى ذَلِكَ شَيْئًا And I don't add anything onto that. أَأَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ وَلَا أَنْتَ جَنَّةً قَالَ نَعَمْ The Prophet said, yes you will. رواه مسلم مسلم narrated it. وَمَعْنَا حَرَّمْتُ الْحَرَامَ No, he mentions it. He says, اجتنبته, I stay away from it. وَمَعْنَا أَحْلَلْتُ الْحَلَالَ means فَعَلْتُ مُعْتَقِدًا حِلَّهُ So pay attention here. Jabir ibn Abdullah, he said that a man asked the Prophet sallallahu this question. Five times a day I pray. Five times? Five times a day I pray. And I fast a month of Ramadan. I make whatever is halal halal and I consider what is haram to be haram. I don't add anything onto that. Will I enter Jannah? The Prophet said, yes you will. This shows you that the Prophet he came to make matters easy for the people. The believers are not all one level brothers. Allah told us in the Quran, the believers are three levels. There's a Muslim, he is a ظالم لنفسه. He's either not doing the wajibat or he's not doing the muharramat. Uh, he's not staying away from the muharramat. He's ظالم لنفسه. He's oppressing himself. So he's low. But he has the foundation, meaning he's a believer. But he's ظالم لنفسه. He's either not doing the wajibat or he's not staying away from the muharramat. وَمِنُهُ مُقْتَصِدْ مُقْتَصِدْ is one who's doing the wajibat. Okay? And he's staying away from the muharramat. And that's it. He doesn't do no sunnah and nawafil and nothing. Sticks to the wajibat. He stays away from the haram. He's muqtasid. He's in the middle. And then the third one is what? سَابِقٌ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ One who does wajibat. Stays away from the muharramat. And he's doing the voluntary things. This was high. What did Allah say about all three of them? What is the reward of all of those people? What did Allah say after that when He mentioned that? Huh? And then after that, what did He say? No. Jannatu Jannatu These three will all enter Jannah. But he's still a believer. He's going to enter Jannah. He's muqtasidun. He's going to enter Jannah. Sabiqun bil khayrati bilna. He's going to enter Jannah. Are we all together? All of them, either ajilan or ajilan, they're going to enter Jannah. They're all going to enter Jannah at one point. Either they're going to enter Jannah straight away or they're going to enter one point. Here, ponder. Al-Allama Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah, in his Adwa'u al-Bayan, he said something very powerful. He said, ثُمَّ أَوْرَثَنَا الْكِتَابَ الَّذِينَ So we were in, we were in the hadith of Abi Dhar al-Ghifari رضي الله تعالى عنه. This hadith 
is a very powerful hadith, has many benefits in it. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, يَنْبَغِي أَنْ يُعْرَفَ أَنَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثَ شَرِيفُ الْقَدْرِ عَظِيمُ الْمَنْزِلَةِ وَلِهَذَا كَانَ الْإِمَامُ أَحْمَدِ بْنُ حَنْبَلٍ يَقُولُ هُوَ أَشْرَفُ حَدِيثٍ لِأَهْلِ الشَّامِ وَكَانَ أَبُو إِدْرِيسَ الْخَوْلَانِ إِذَا حَدَّثَ بِهِ جَثَى عَلَى رُكْبَتِهِ This hadith he says, it should be known how great it is. How noble this hadith is. ولذلك الإمام أحمد used to say this hadith is the best hadith that the people of Sham narrated. أهل الشام this is their best hadith. Abu Idris al-Khawlani which is from the great imams of Ahl al-Sham he was from the great imams of Ahl al-Sham whenever he would narrate this hadith جثى على ركبته he will fall on his knees. The hadith of Idhar al-Ghifari يا عبادي Whenever he would narrate it, he would go on his knees because of the powerful meaning that he saw in this hadith. Naam. عن أبي ذر رضي الله عنه أيضا أن ناسا أن ناسا من أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه أن ناسا من أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قالوا للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رسول الله ذاب أهل الدثور بالأجور يصلون كما نصلي ويصومون كما نصوم ويتصدقون بفضول أموالهم قال أوليس قد جعل الله لكم ما تصدق تصدقون إن بكل تسبيحة صدقة وكل تكبيرة صدقة وكل تحميدة صدقة وكل تهليلة صدقة وأمر بالمعروف صدقة ونهي عن منكر صدقة وفي بضع أحدكم صدقة قالوا يا رسول الله أيأتي أحدنا شهوته ويكون له فيها أجر قال أرأيتم لو وضعها في الحرام أكان, عليها لو أكان عليه فيها وزر, وزر فكذلك إذا وضعها في الحلال كان له أجر رواه مسلم This hadith again is a very powerful hadith that talks about virtuous actions a group of people, they came to the Prophet وسلم, and then they said, O Messenger of Allah, ذَهَبَ أَهْلُ الدُّثُورِ أَهْلُ الدُّثُورِ أَهْلُ الْأَمْوَالِ The rich people. They have taken, ذَهَبَ أَهْلُ الدُّثُورِ بِالْأُجُورِ They took all the reward. The rich people have taken all of the reward. How? يُصَلُّونَ كَمَا نُصَلِّي They pray with us. وَيَصُومُونَ كَمَا نَصُومُ And they fast the way that we fast. وَيَتَسَدَّقُونَ بِفُضُورِ أَمْوَالِهِمْ But they have something extra, which is that they give their wealth out. They pray with us, they fast with us, they do all the goods with us, but then they have something separate for them, which is then they go, they give their wealth out. Not us. وَيَتَسَدَّقُونَ بِفُضُورِ أَمْوَالِهِمْ Their wealth that they have, they go and they give it out. Then the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم, said, أَوَلَيْسَ قَدْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ مَا تَصَدَّقُونَ بِهِ Allah has given you guys something that you can give. If, you, if they give sadaqah, you guys can give sadaqah as well. The Prophet told them, إِنَّ بِكُلِّ تَسْبِيحَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ وَبِكُلِّ تَكْبِيرَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ وَبِكُلِّ تَحْمِيلَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ وَبِكُلِّ تَحْلِيلَةٍ All of these are sadaqah. Say them. 
Calling to the good and prohibiting the evil is a sadaqah. Sadaqah. The intimate relationship that a man has with his wife is also a sadaqah. He gets rewarded for it. The sahabas and they said, Ya Rasulullah, is one of us going to fulfill his desires and have intimate relationship with his spouse? And then he gets rewarded for that. Because the other ones, the nafs is a bit hard to give out your money. To call to the good and prohibit the evil, sometimes it's hard because the people may not like you. Sitting down and doing tasbih and tahmeed, the nafs doesn't like it. So they can see where the edge is coming from. But fulfilling your desires with your spouse is something that the nafs wants. And so the sahabas thought that the reward is only connected to what the nafs doesn't like. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, And then the Prophet said, uh, uh, the Sahabas, they said, Is one of us going to fulfill his desires and he gets rewarded for it? The Prophet said, Naam. He said, Of course. If he was to go and fulfill his desires in a haram way, would he take a sin for it? Yes. Then, of course, if he does it in a halal way, he gets rewarded for it. It makes sense that the opposite is true. This is where the Usuliyin took a qaida, which is it's called Qiyasul Aksi. Qiyasul Aksi means the analogy of the opposite. Something is haram on this side, so the opposite should be that it's halal on the other, on the other side. So, it's called Qiyasul Aksi. Qiyasul Al Aksi. The Prophet said that. Of course, he only gets rewarded if he comes with the intention. You get the reward if you come with the intention. Some of the narrations mention the rich people they had. They were informed about what the poor people asked about. They were informed that the poor people asked about a way to catch up with the rich people. And so the rich people started to do what? They started to do all of this. So the poor people came and they said, Ya Rasulullah, look, look, this is not fair. They do everything that we are doing and they're also passing us in the wealth that they can give. And then the Prophet said, that's a blessing from Allah. He gives it to whoever He wills. What can one do? It's their blessing. They've got wealth to give. So Islam, brothers, it doesn't condemn wealth in, in its essence. It only condemns it in the way that it's utilized. If some uh, or a person who has wealth and he uses that wealth in the religion and he builds masajids and he gives sadaqah and he takes care, care of orphans and he buys Islamic libraries for people to benefit from. He gets the reward of all of those people. His wealth, what? Is truly good and praiseworthy. And little can reach that person, right? Because of what he's doing. What he's, what he was, what he's doing. So, brothers, your wealth can sometimes make you reach levels. Only Allah knows, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. Huh? Tahmeed is saying, alhamdulillah. And tahleel is saying, la ilaha illallah. Sahih. 
Sahih. The intention is very important. I'll give you an example of what the brother mentioned. That there's a person who doesn't have much. He's poor. He only has one bread. And he gives that bread for someone. He just says, take it, eat it. He sees someone who wants it. And he says, take this bread. And a rich person gave 10 million. But he's got another 10 million in his account. The ajr la shaka wa la raib is more greater in, with the poor person who just gave out the one thing he had. Are we all together? So it's not the quantity necessarily, it's the, the intention that you give it with. Some of the scholars, they said Abu Bakr and Umar, when they both gave out, who gave out more? Umar gave out more than Abu Bakr. Like, and who was greater? Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr was greater. Then Abu Bakr gave everything he had. But that was little. In comparison to the half of Umar. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Are we all together? So it's how you give it. It's how you give it. And with the intention that you give it. It's very great. Just today, me and my father were talking about some of the rich people of my community. And some of them, how they spend their wealth in good. How, what they've done with it. And where their wealth reached, subhanAllah. That millions of people are benefiting from the, the, the things that they've done. The value that it holds. So sometimes try to look at that in a positive way. That your wealth and your finance and your money, it's something that's going to go, ya ikhwah. Or you're going to die out of it and leave it. And you're no longer going to have this wealth. Are we all together? It may not remain forever. Give it. Tasaddaq biha. The person who's going to benefit from your sadaqah is yourself. You are going to benefit from it. First of all, no one else. And then those who are around you, the things that they do with that wealth that you gave them, and the khair that they do with it, the reward will come to you the day of judgment. When you're unexpecting it. That there was a person, you one day bought him a book, and he said, read this. And then he read that book and it changed his life, for example. And he memorized that book and the ilm in that book, that Islamic book you gave him. That's a reward for you. So remember to not belittle the wealth that we have. Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us to give it out. Bukhl is not a good thing. A person who is bakhil is a very bad trait. Someone who whenever he gives money out, he's, he sweats. And he becomes very nervous. And his hands start shaking. And he starts breathing heavily when he has to give something out. But the, the Prophet when he came to Medina, the city of Medina, Nabi Muhammad, when he came, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he came to a place where, of course, there were other tribes and other belief systems and other religions. So, there were Jews that were living there. They had their own leader. They had their own leader for their tribes. And the tribes that were there, they had their leaders. So, the Prophet never took no one from their position and said, you know what, I've now come to Medina, step down. He didn't. He let every tribe and every community have their leader. There was only one man they said that he told him to step down. And the only reason why he did is because he was trying to run his people based on Bukhul. He was a very stingy man. We all together. If you read the seerah, Abdul Muttalib, you all know Abdul Muttalib, right? Who's Abdul Muttalib? Yeah? 
the Prophet's granddad, right? They said that he, Quraysh, respected him and they admired him. This is before Islam. How was he able to run Quraysh? And how would they come and they would listen to him? Abdul Muttalib. He gave. Abdul Muttalib gave to his people. He took care of their hunger and their need. And the people were muta'een and they obeyed him. They listened to him. Whatever he got, he gave. Whatever he got, he gave. Whatever he got, he gave. A bakhil person cannot run two people. Stingy person cannot run two people. He cannot do anything. Are we all together? Because people have needs. Are we all together? They have needs. And those needs to, need to be fulfilled for them. So you should be a person. This money, it came and it will go. Ya it's going to go. It's going to go one day. Spend it in khair. Get reward from it. How many people had money and invested in places or they built buildings and they made this and they made that and days later they were broke. They had nothing. Without no wealth. Sah? Are we all together, brothers? I saw with my eyes, wallahi, a man who was, he used to give sadaqah a lot. Now I'll even tell you a story, subhanAllah. There was a man, what he did was, he thought wisely about how he wants to take his family out of poverty, his family. He thought about it. He said, I need to take my family out of poverty. This is my country. He said, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to speak to my, the wealthy people of my community, including myself. The zakat that is obligatory on each and every one of us, he told us, he told everyone to write, to bring it to him. He asked the family to list themselves, relatives, all of them write themselves down, the fuqara, the poor ones, and that don't have wealth. Five years, five years, he took his whole entire family out of poverty. Just by the zakat they collected from the people, he used that to take his whole family out of poverty. Five years later, the poor people were given the zakat. They were in the list of the ones who were given the zakat. And they were looking for people outside to give it to. Until the whole entire area and region, he was able to take care of their financial needs. The zakat that everyone has to pay. He said, give it. No problem, pay. Let's take care of our family. Our little relatives. You see? And everybody likes to give their zakat because they know it's obligatory, right? The poverty was gone. They were taken care of. Are we all together? So, I even saw that same man that I'm talking about right now. He had a property, a land. The other entire lands that were around his land burnt, burnt. And his one didn't. Are we all together? This is, this is, Allah protects you for you, your wealth. Allah will protect it for you. And make sure that whatever you have, it increases. The Prophet told us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the sadaqah that you give and the wealth that you give, brothers, it does not reduce you from your wealth. Are we all together? One day I remember I gave a money to a brother and I had nothing after that. I remember I gave it to him. Wallahi, I'm not lying. And I'm t Allah is my witness. The same amount of money I gave came into my account. Till today, I don't know who put it in there. And I, 
Don't believe in these hocus pocus stories. But this is haq wallahi, I saw it in my eyes. I saw this. I gave the wealth out. It was not even one percent, one, no money was put. I gave to this person and someone put that same money, the same, ya ikhwa. It was not one penny more, one, not one penny less. Then I said to myself, I wish I gave more. <laughs> yeah. Sadaqah does not reduce from your wealth. Some people might say, but it has reduced from my wealth. You know what it does for you, sadaqah? When you give it, lillah. Lillah. What it does, brothers, is that it brings comfort in your heart. The fear of poverty leaves you. People who give sadaqah don't fear poverty. Why are they not able to fear poverty? Because Allah filled their heart with richness. Even if their money is reducing, they feel no worry about the wealth. Are we all together? So giving is going to benefit you a lot. Mentally, it's going to benefit you. Emotionally, it's going to benefit you. And inshallah ta'ala, your wealth is going to increase with the blessings of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. Naam. الحديث السادس والعشرون عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كل سل كل سلامة من من كل سلامة من من الناس عليه صدقة كل يوم تطلع فيه الشمس تعدل بين تعدل بين اثنين صدقة وتعين الرجل في 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 دايته في دابته فتحمل فتحمله عليها أو ترفع أو ترفع له عليها متاع متاعه صدقه والكلمة الطيبة صدقه وبكل خطوة تمشيها إلى الصلاة صدقه وتميط وتميط الأذى عن الطريق صدقه رواه البخاري ومسلم. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he told us. The word sulama is al-mifsalu. It's the joints. So the joints that are in the human being is 360 joints, right? 360. Imam Muslim narrated in his sahih min hadith Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said that the joints of the human is how many? 360. Are we all together? I came across some people who said that the Prophet said, look how knowledgeable he is in science. He knew three, that the human body has 360 joints. Allahu Akbar. This shows that the religion of Islam is true. You sticking to these kind of things is not in your advantage. Why? Because the Arabs knew that before Nabi Muhammad came. It was ilm which was what? Was well known. It was a well known knowledge amongst them that the joints are 360. Does that make sense? The Prophet affirmed that knowledge. Like, and it's not something that a person should use. And if you do use that stuff for an argument to show Islam is true or not, you can easily be, it can re- easily be responded to. So it's best not to use those kind of arguments. We say that the Prophet ﷺ, other things are more enough, enough to show his prophecy. There are other things to show that he is the Prophet and that he should be followed. Sahih. Not necessarily the scientific things that are mentioned here or there. Every individual, there's sadaqah from, on your joints. 360. It's wajib on you. Every single day. 
if you are just between two people, it's a sadaqah. وَتُعِينُ الرَّجُلَ فِي دَابَتِي فَتَحْمِلُهُ عَلَيْهَا You see a man who's carrying some load and you take the load for him. That's sadaqah. وَالْكَلِمَةُ الطَّيِّبَةُ صَدَقَةِ Saying good words to someone is sadaqah. To be very nice in your wordings and to speak nicely to people and be respectful in the way you talk, sadaqah. وَبِكُلِّ خُطْوَةٍ تَمْشِيهَا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ صَدَقَةِ And every step that you take to the masjid is a sadaqah. وَتُمِيطُ الْأَدَى عَنِ الطَّرِيقِ الصَّدَقَةِ And every harm that you take away from the road, it's a what? It's a sadaqah. Those are all sadaqah that a person makes. And then the sadaqah is not as restricted as we thought. That it's only money. All of that is sadaqah. Naam. Yeah. Some scholars, they take from this hadith that كُلُّ سُلَامَ عَلَيْهِ صَدَقَةً means تَجِبُ عَلَى الْعَبْدِ That it's obligatory upon the person to pray salatu. Salatu al-duha. Salatu al-duha suffices you. All of these sadaqah, you, you don't, don't do it 360 righteous deeds every day, run around. Just pray these two rak'ah and that suffices you. Some of the scholars, they took from this as the Prophet said, that two rak'ah that you pray suffices you from all of these. All of that you don't have to do it. Two rak'ah, you pray. Salat al-Duha. It will suffice you. Naam. Al-Hadith al-Sabi'u wal-Ishuna. عن النواس عن النواس بن سمعان رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال البر حسن الخلق والإثم ما حاك في نفسك وكرهت أن وكرهت أن يطلع عليه الناس رواه مسلم وعن وابصة وعن وابصة بن بن معبد رضي الله عنه قال أتيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال جئت تسأل عن البر قلت نعم قال استفتي قلبك البر مطمأ أنت إليه النفس واطمأن إليه القلب والإثم ما حاك في النفس وتردد في الصدر وإن أفاتك الناس وأفتوك, وأفتوك حديث حسن رويناه في, مسندي في مسندي الإمامين أحمد بن حنبل والدارمي بإسناد حسن this hadith, the Prophet وسلم, he says, Al-Bir Husnul Khuluq. Bir. What does it mean? Husnul Khuluq. To have good manners. If someone asks you, what is the definition of bir? You say, Husnul Khuluq. Good manners. Al-Bir is good, Husnul Khuluq. Bir is obedience. A person who is obedient is the one who has good manners. Okay. And this, you can always see that hadiths, how they talk about good manners and good akhlaq. Huh? How important it is to have good manners and good akhlaq. How do you know something is evil? The way that you know something is evil is that your, heart, your mind and your heart can't accept it. Allah created in us the ability to know when something doesn't feel right. Okay. 
And that's why a lot of people come up to you and say to you, brother, I have a question. Hey, what's the question? My question is, is this permissible? Why are you asking me if it's permissible? Has anyone ever asked, is it permissible to drink water? Yeah? Is that what people, do people ask that? But then they come and they ask you, can, is it permissible to drink this? The reason why they're asking is because the nafs, something is saying to him in his heart, whether it's little or a lot. Sah? If someone came up to you and said to you, is it permissible to drink water? Straight away you're going to be like, well, what, do you, what do you mean, water? What type of water are you talking about? And he says, oh, there's alcohol now called water. You're like, oh, that's why you asked. The evil is mahaka fi nafsik. Your nafs, it keeps regurgitating into your heart. It just keeps bouncing back and forth. You're like, ah, oh, shall I do it? Shall I not? But you don't like the people to see you in it. That's what evil is. The other hadith, hadith wa'abisat ibn Ma'abadin. The Prophet he said, um, when he was asked about al-bir, he said, istafti qalbak. Bir is ask your heart. Whoa. Talk to your heart. This is what the hadith said. Istafti qalbak. Ask your heart. Al-bir matma'annat ilayhi nafs It's what is tranquil in your heart and feels, you feel tuma'nina wal-ithmu mahaka fi nafsik wa taraddada fihi sadr wa inaftaka al-nasu aftawka. And the evil is that which your heart doesn't accept even if everyone gives you the verdict for it. This alim said it's permissible. The other one said it's permissible. In your heart you're like, Malai doesn't feel right. This is the if. Here there's a question. A lot of people say, Alhamdulillah, I asked my heart and it told me that I can do this. And they go and they do things that you know it's haram. Sah? It's problematic, right? Ha. So how do we respond to this? So clearly the hadith did say, istafti qalbak. The word istafti qalbak means ask your heart for fatwa. Istafti. Fatwa comes from there. Ask your heart. Question your heart. So all you just do, have to do is, any one time you want to know halal or haram, they say to you, all I need to do is just ask my heart. Why do I, need, why do I even need to go to an alim and ask the mufti? I can just ask my heart. The prophet told me, go to your heart. We'll say, naam, but ponder. There are two conditions that the um, the ulama unanimously agreed upon. There are two conditions if you want to take the fatwa of your heart. First one is The issue has to be something that there's no clear-cut ruling for. Okay? The issue that you're going to ask your heart has to be of those issues where there are no clear evidences for it. You don't ask your heart whether khamar is halal or haram. There's already evidence for that. No one needs to know what's in your heart. Are we all together? The matter has to be something that there is what? Ambiguity regarding it. There is a pull and push. People are, scholars are differing amongst themselves. There isn't a clear cut evidence for it. That's the number one. Okay, number two. أن يكون المستفتي قلبه متصفا بالعدالة الدينية والاستقامة الشرعية. The person has to be a person who's upright on his religion, a steadfast individual, a person who has a taqwa, 
A person of what? Taqwa. God-fearing. Very conscious of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Are we all together, brothers? But if you're a person who is drinking khamar and you say, ask my heart whether this uh, transaction is halal or haram, then you don't care about the deen. Okay? You have to have adala diniya, adala in your heart. And there's a third, a third condition I think it would be nice to add on to it, is it has to be a person of knowledge. Even that though it falls under the first one, because to know that this issue is there's no clear-cut ruling for it, you have to be a person of knowledge. Sir. The first condition implies that you know where there are clear-cut evidences and where there are no clear-cut evidences. Are we all together? Like in Kullu Amrin wa Bakrin wa Zaydin wa Khalidin, everybody can go and just ask his heart and is it halal or is it haram? This is not um, right now. Preferred than other manners. Yeah, without a doubt, the best manners is the manners with Allah Azza wa Jalla. The greatest, highest level of good manners is not to associate partners with Allah Azza wa Jalla. Tawheed is the greatest, greatest, the highest level of good manners. Like to say Allah has a child, or to say Allah is one of three, or to say that. Uh, I'm going to ask someone else other than Allah Azza wa Jalla. And then, not, I'm not going to ask Allah directly. All of these are bad manners and bad akhlaq with Allah Azza wa Jalla. That's the greatest that a person should focus on. If your manners with Allah is bad, then of course your manners with others is going to be what? Terrible. Also from the greatest characteristics, or the greatest forms of manners is as-sidq, truthfulness. To be somebody who's truthful. Sidq is a great, noble characteristic. Nabi Allah Muhammad, that was a characteristic he well, was well known for. To be a truthful person. Say it even if it's... Huh? Say it if it's even something you believe that it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause your life. There was one of the great sahabas. Or whether he's a sahabi or tabi'i is disputed. He, he had two sons who were rebels. He had two sons which were rebels. They rebelled against Hajjaj ibn Yusuf. They rebelled against him. And Hajjaj ibn Yusuf killed 120,000 people. He killed companions. He, he had no mercy in his heart. Sah? Hajjaj ibn Yusuf killed people, spilled blood. That's who he was. Even they said when he died, he was so... so evil that he said when he died when you take me out of my house destroy every building that you go by when you take don't don't divert me from my route and go around and come on the road or anything they said he said he's dead right <laughs> he said whenever you come to a building destroy that building keep moving like that until you come to the grave when he died he wrote that as his wasiyah 
Are we all together? Jabbar, arrogant, tyrannical individual. Hajjad had no of mercy for the people. He didn't. He killed Saeed ibn, Saeed, uh, Saeed ibn Jubair, the student Abdullah ibn Abbas. Killed him. Had nothing in his heart towards anyone. This noble imam, his two sons were, were rebels. They were going against Hajjaj. And they wanted to take him down. What did Hajjaj do? He was looking for them. They were wanted. They were wanted. He wanted to grab them and kill them. So one day these two children, they sneaked into the city and they came to their dad. And they wanted to spend the night with their father and they ran away. News spread that his two sons were in his house. And he was known to be truthful. They said he never lied. He never lied. His name was called Zir ibn Hubaysh. Zir ibn Hubaysh never lied, they said. Ever in his life. That's what they said. So his two sons came to the uh, house. They said, let's go to Hajjaj ibn Yusuf and tell him that Zir's two sons are in the house. Today we're going to know if Zir ibn Hubaysh is going to tell the truth. Hajjaj ibn Yusuf asked for Zir to be brought to him. He said, come here, here. Where are your two sons? Have you seen them? Have you come across your two sons? He said, yes, they are at home. I just left them at home. Allahu A'lam, whilst I was on the way, whether they left the house or not, I don't know. But I promise you, when I left them, they were at home sleeping. Hajjaj, no mercy. Gonna kill these children. That's like definite for everybody. Hajjaj was shocked. You left them out? Yes, I left them at home. They're at home sleeping. I left them sleeping. Hajjaj said, because of your truthfulness, I will not touch your sons. I will not touch your children. Your two sons can live. So sometimes you think if you lie, you can get away from this problem. Sah? Yes, sometimes you feel that way. Sah? Just lie and inshallah ta'ala, you get away. He, Hajjaj never left anyone alone. And look at that, subhanallah. الحديث الثامن والعشرون عن أبي نجيح العرباض بن سارية رضي الله عنه قال وعظنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم موعظة وجلت منها القلوب وذرفت منها العيون فقلنا يا رسول الله فقلنا يا رسول الله قلنا يا رسول الله كأنها موعظة مودع مودع فأوصنا فقال أوصكم بتقوى الله عز وجل والسمع والطاعة وإن تأمر عليكم عبد فإنه من من يعش منكم فسيرى, فسيرى اختلافا كثيرا فعليكم بسنتي وسنة الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين عضوا عليها بالنواجذ وإياكم ومحدثات, ومحدثات الأمور فإن, فإن كل بدعة, بدعة ضلالة رواه أبو داود, أبو داود والترمذي وقال الترمذي حديث حسن صحيح أبي نجيح إرباض بن سارية رضي الله تعالى عنه هي سر وعذر رسول الله The messenger gave us a farewell The word وعذناه means um, he 
gave us wa'ad. Wa'ad is a what? A reminder. But this mu'idha was mu'idhatun wajilat minha al-qulub. It was a reminder that moved the hearts. It made the sahabas, their hearts moved from what the Prophet was saying. وَظَرَفَتْ مِنْهَا الْعُيُونَ And the eyes watered. وَلِذَلِكَ Ibn Al-Qayyim says that the tears that come out from the eyes is a reflection of what's in the heart. That the more the heart feels something, it then leads to the eyes watering. That's what happens. But some people, what they think is if that a person doesn't cry, the heart has nothing in there and that's not real. Because there's a point where when it reaches, the tears come out. But it doesn't mean that there is nothing in the heart of that person. Some people, they don't cry, but they have more khashiyah than those who cry. Are we all together, brothers? Like in La Shaka Wala Raib, when your heart reaches its complete form, then tears come out. The person cries. Sahabatu Rasulullah used to cry. That's the first thing that we benefit from it. We see it as a sign of weakness when a person cries. And we say, look, look, are you a little kid? Why are you crying for? That's what we say. Crying and sobbing for the sake of Allah Azza and the religion is something great. And because of that, scholars wrote books on it. Books on just the issue of crying. I'll, tell, I'll mention two books. There's one kitab called Al-Riqat Wal-Buka by Ibn Qudama and I encourage you to all buy it. Al-Riqat Wal-Buka by Ibn Qudama Al-Maqdisi rahimahullah. This book, it talks about that all the times that the Prophet cried alayhi salatu and tears came out of his eyes. It talks about when the Sahabas cried. It talks about when the Salaf al-Salih cried. It talks about how crying comes about and what brings it. And reaches a person that level. Al-Riqat Wal-Buka. Kitabun Jami'ah. An amazing book. By who? The great Hanbali scholar Ibn Qudam al-Maqdisi rahimahullah. The other kitab is called Kitab al-Buka. It's written by Ibn Abi Dunya. Ibn, Ibn Abi Dunya rahimahullah. It's published in his Mawsu'ah. There's six volume Mawsu'ah of all of his books that are put in there. Inside there, there's, it's also published separately and it's also in that Mawsu'ah where he talks about also moments of tears and crying from the Sahabas and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and times that he cried. Are we all together? Al-Riqqatu al-Buka. Ibn Qudam is one and also Ibn Abi Dunya. You read those books, ya ikhwah. A student of knowledge doesn't always read Masail Fiqhiya, Fiqh, 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 which without a doubt is very honorable, it's very good, and doesn't forget the tiskiyah of the heart and the, the, the things that can move your heart. You have to read about those things as well. So you gain khashya. Are we all together? This religion, you don't enter it just from one door, but you enter it from all of the doors. Are we all together? To the extent that having khashya and being a person who has riqqatul qalb, your heart is soft, it's been seen as a trait of the Sufis. Huh? Sufi, look at him, he's become a Sufi. If he cries two, three days and he's khashya, wallahi, subhanallah. And this was the sel- salaf, the early scholars and the imams, this is how they used to be. Are we all together? Some people, they believe nowadays in order for you to be upon the haqq, you have to be, you never cry, be harsh, be hard. That's not how the Prophet was, alayhi salam. 
In the times the harshness was needed, he found him hard. When it was needed, it was found. And the times that it wasn't, he وسلم, was what? Very soft. And that's why the Prophet وسلم, he said, Gentleness and softness is never taken from something except that it makes it very ugly. If someone loses the ability of being gentle, the Prophet saying this, and soft, you don't, they become, your nafs doesn't want to be with them. So it's something we have to also focus on, brothers. That we read these ayat and these ahadiths and they, huh? It moves us. So the Prophet taught, and sometimes these kind of reminders, the reminders that have wa'ad in it, that move the heart, is also good. And not always masail ilmiya, aqwal and nuqul, not always the case. Sometimes a Prophet had those moments where he would give them wa'ad, reminders. Their eyes would water, their hearts would move. فَقُلْنَا we said, Ya Rasulullahi, O Messenger of Allah, It's like you're giving us a farewell. It's like you're saying to us, I'm going by. Give us more, O Messenger of Allah. Then the Messenger said to them, أُوصِيكُمْ بِتَقْوَ اللَّهِ I advise you to come with the taqwa of Allah The first thing that you should come with is a taqwa. Ya ikhwa taqwa, we mentioned different views regarding it and one of the we said Talq ibn Habibi's one is the best. And we mentioned it in the Sharh of Kitab, Sharh uh, Sunan Imam al Muzani. But also another definition of the word a taqwa is Al Khawfu min al Jaleel, Wal Amalu bit Tanzil, Wal Ridha bil Qalil, Wal Istadad al Yom al Rahil. Ali ibn Abi Talib said this. He said taqwa means Al-amalu bit-tanzil, to act upon the Qur'an. Taqwa means Al-amalu bit-tanzil, to act upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Al-amalu bit-tanzil. Wal-ridha bil-qalil. Wal-khawfu min al-jaleel. To be scared of Allah, sorry. To be very scared of Allah, Azza wa Jalla. Wal-ridha bil-qalil. And to be, little, to be happy with the little Allah gave you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah gave you something very little, just be happy with it. Be content. Have contentment in your heart. And the fourth is, Prepare for the day of departure. Preparing for that day every day. That's taqwa. The Prophet said here, I advise you to come with taqwa. Listen and obey your leaders. So this is the last moment he's advising them. If Allah places someone over you, don't be rebellious and bring chaos to the land. Don't be a person who loves anarchy, bloodshed. You love lack of organization. You love problems. Don't be like that. Listen and obey. Even the one who it takes control over you is a slave. And the reason why the Prophet is saying this, by the way, is because the people he's talking to will never accept a slave to be above them. Even if it happens that this person is someone you don't like and your nafs doesn't want it, still listen and obey them. Your heart is not content with this person. You feel why this person? Let them be in charge. Just listen and obey. Don't bring about chaos because you want to be in power. Then the Prophet told us something. He said, if you live, if you live, you're going to see many differences, different views. 
you're going to find a group over there saying, we are upon the right path. And then you see another group over there saying, we are upon the right path in Islam. And another group here saying, we are upon the right path in Islam. And you find another group here saying, we are upon the right path. And then you're going to find people arguing and disputing and argumentations and etc. and etc. Brothers, if you live, you're going to see differences. Do we not see that now? We do. We see in one household, brothers and sisters who have different opinions in, in the religion. They all are connected to a group. Group so-and-so is the group that they are um, there for. And this group, this way, and this, this way, and this way. One household. I saw a household one time who had four groups within the household. I said to you four brothers, all of them are strong, staunch followers of their group. Hajib. I said, how do you guys eat food together? We don't. When you come into the living room, how is your discussion? We don't talk. How do you guys talk about the, the, the benefit from your, for your parents, your mom and dad? How do you, wallahi, everybody helps their parents the way they can. We don't talk. Look at that. Four brothers in one household. Each one goes to a particular masjid. He's connected to a particular individual. And this one is with a particular group. And this one is a particular group. And this one is a particular group. Are we all together, brothers? In one house. That's going to definitely happen in, in countries, right? Within countries, you see different views, different opinions. Are we all together? You find that. If you live, this is going to happen. How are we going to get out of that? Nabi Muhammad will never mention to us, brothers, a problem that's going to happen and the solution. And not mention the solution to us. There is a solution to this problem. There's a way that we can come together. There's a way that we can unite and be one hand. How is it? He mentioned it right after that. He said, How can you guys all come together? Upon you is my sunnah. Hold on to my sunnah. Brothers, please listen to this. This is very important, wallahi. He, he mentioned it right after he spoke about differences and disputes and argumentation. He told us where all to run to. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Fa'alaikum, upon you is my sunnah. Is that it? Because some people, what are they going to do? They're going to take the sunnah and understand it in their own way. So he wants to close that door, Alayhi Salatu Wasallam. Someone might take the hadith and say, Okay, I understood from this hadith this. He closed that door for you. Then he said to you, Fa'alaikum bi sunnati, upon you is my sunnah. Wa sunnati al khulafai rashidin al mahdiyin. Abi Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali. Follow their understanding of these evidences. I am pleased with these men. The Prophet is saying this to you. I'm pleased with Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali. I'm pleased with these men. I want you to understand the religion the way they understood. Oh, brothers, that's all our problem cause. Our solution, our problem. This is the solution for it. فَعَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي Upon you is my sunnah. Then the Prophet mentioned how is it that we need to take on the sunnah of the Prophet? And how do we take the sunnah of the rightly guided khulafa? What way should we take it? 
Hold on to it with your molar teeth. Your back teeth grind onto it. Why? Why do we have to hold on to it with our molar teeth? Because if you hold on to it with your front teeth, it might go out of your mouth quickly. In other words, the Prophet was saying, there's going to come a time holding on to the sunnah will be hard. And it can't be in a way that's feeble. You can't hold on to it in a way which is weak. Hold on to it tough so you don't let go of it. And that explains the other hadith. There's going to come a time in my ummah. That the one who's holding on to his religion is like he's holding on to hot charcoal. He's burning. If you grab hot charcoal right now and you hold on to it, you have two options. You either hold on to it and your hand burns. Or you let go and the pain goes. Islam is going to be like that. If you hold on to it, it's going to burn you. And you can't hold on to it. And if you let go, you let go of your religion. That's how it's going to become. Everything about your religion is going to be under scrutiny. You are in a, you're put in situations where you have to choose Sunnati Rasulullah Shall I keep my bed in this job? Or shall I think about dinar and dirham? I'm not allowed to pray my salah or this job which is going to give me my money. What shall I do? The person is confused. Holding on to your religion becomes like that. One day it's going to be like that. The Prophet said to you, Hold on to it with your molar teeth. The people might be large in number. The people who go against the sunnah might be the most. Ya akhi, as the Salaf said, You are the jama'ah even if you're by yourself. If you're holding on to the sunnah, and you've understood it the way Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali did, you are the haq even if you're by yourself. Don't let it confuse you. The large number of people who are talking, don't let it confuse you. The way that things are going, the sunnah of the Prophet never changes. It doesn't change over time and it doesn't change because of the people's desires. It stays the same way. This religion, brothers, it doesn't go through renovation and rectification like companies have to do for their, for their gadgets. That every year they have to update it and add new softwares into it. Islam does not require that. Because when it came down from Allah, it came down for every time and every situation. Brothers, hold on to the sunnah. The sunnah here is Sunnah al Khulafa al-Rashidin is Abu Bakr al-Umar Sahaba, Sahaba, Sahaba Rasulullah. The rightly guided at that time was Abu Bakr al-Umar, Uthman and Ali. And the Sahaba, Umuman, all of them. That's what Allah said in the ayah, فَإِنْ آمَنُوا بِمِثْرِ مَا آمَنْتُمْ بِهِ فَقَدِ تَدَوْا If they believe in Allah, the way that you guys believe in Allah, Ashabu Rasulullah, فَقَدِ تَدَوْا they are guided. وَإِنْ تَوَلَّوْا If they turn away from the way, way of the companions, فَإِنَّمَا هُمْ فِي شِقَاقٍ Pay attention now. The sunnah. Don't understand it on your own intellect and the way you want. Let's understand it the way the sahabas understood it. And the way that they brought out the rulings. If the sahabas have five views and you take one of those views, Jazakallahu khairan. No problem. Five views of the sahabas in this issue, 
if one of them seems right to you, no problem. You cannot make a sixth view. You can't create a seventh view. Without a doubt, within those five, everyone's going to see one view to be right and the rest to be wrong. But you're entitled as long because it came from the Sahabas. These views. They are the eyewitnesses, brothers. Naam. And then the Prophet warned us, sorry, and then the Prophet warned us about the opposite. The opposite he warned us against. What is the opposite? Brothers, stay away from the newly invented matters. People are going to introduce things. Stay away from it in the religion. Things are going to be added into the religion. Don't give it any consideration. Stay away from the newly invented matters. And hold on to what? Hold on to the sunnah of the Prophet Don't get tired of it. Carry on. الحديث التاسع والعشرون عن معاذ بن جبل رضي الله عنه قال قلت يا رسول الله أخبرني بعمل يدخلني الجنة ويباعدني عن النار قال لقد سألت عن عظيم وإنه ليسير على من يسره الله تعالى عليه تعبد الله ولا تشرك به شيئا وتقيم الصلاة وتؤتي الزكاة وتصوم رمضان وتحج رمضان وتحج البيت ثم قال ألا أدلك على أبواب الخير الصوم جنة والصدقة تطفئ الخطيئة كما يطفئ الماء النار وصلاة الرجل في جوف الليل ثم تلا تتجافى جنوبهم عن المضاجع حتى بلغ يعملون ثم قال ألا أخبرك برأس الأمر وعموده وذروة سنامه الجهاد ثم قال ألا أخبرك بملاك ذلك كله قلت بلى يا رسول الله فأخذ بلسانه وقال كف عليك هذا قلت يا نبي الله وإن لمواخذون بما نتكلم به فقال ثكلتك أمك وهل يكب الناس في النار على وجوههم أو قال على مناخرهم إلا حصائد ألسنتهم رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح This hadith talks about the keys to happiness Do you want to be happy? This hadith talks about it Mu'adh ibn Jabalin, he came to the Prophet, he said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, Akhbirni bi'amalin yudikhiluni al-jannah, wa yuba'iduni min al-nar. O Messenger of Allah, tell me actions that will enter me jannah and that will distance me from the hellfire. The Prophet said to him, Laqad sa'alta an azimin. You have asked for something very great. This is the life of the believer. Every day in our lives, what we're trying to achieve is a way to enter jannah and a way to stay away from the hellfire. لَقَدْ سَأَلْتَ You asked about an عَظِيمٍ You asked about something very great. وَإِنَّهُ لَيَسِيرٌ عَلَى مَنْ يَسَّرَهُ اللَّهِ And this is only easy for the person who Allah makes it easy for subhanahu wa ta'ala. Entering Jannah and being distanced from the hellfire, it is a, it's, a, it's a thing that if Allah makes it easy for you, subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's easy. May Allah make us from the inhabitants of Jannah 
and distance us from the hellfire. It is easy. The person who Allah makes it easy for them. You worship Allah alone. Don't associate partners with Him. Brothers, every good that you ever do will not benefit you if you're falling into shirk. Stay away from shirk. Learn a tawheed, a tawheed, a tawheed. Ya brothers, learn tawheed. Learn the meaning of la ilaha illallah. Understand it, internalize it. Everything else, Allah might forgive you for it. Every other sin on this earth, if you do it, you are tahta mashi'atillahi insha'a fa'an wa insha'a adhaba. If Allah wants, He punishes you for it. And if He wants, He forgives you for it. But Allah does not forgive shirk. Allah does not forgive shirk. Allah does not forgive it. If you fall into shirk, Jahannam will be your final abode and you will stay there forever. That's why you focus on this. The first thing that the Prophet told him was, worship Allah alone and don't associate partners with him. The Quraysh, they were worshipping other than Allah. When Nabi Muhammad came, what did he call them to? At-Tawheed. He, did he stop them from the other things that they were doing? They were string drinking khamar. Salah wasn't made obligatory yet. He was talking to them at-Tawheed. At-Tawheed, brothers. The same thing is what we need to do. When Tawheed becomes weak, everything else becomes weak. salah You establish the prayer. And you give the zakat. And you fast in the month of Ramadan. And you go hajj. And then the Prophet said to Mu'adh, Shall I tell you the doors of khayr? Fasting is a shield. Sadaqa extinguishes the sins. The way that the water extinguishes fire. And the man praying at night time is from the doors of good. Ya ikhwa, there are some people who every single night will come in their life and they won't even pray anything to Allah fi dujalayl in the in the night. It will miss you every single night. Every night Allah comes down subhanahu wa ta'ala as it's narrated in the hadith al-sihah yanzilu rabbuna fi thuluth al-layl al-akhir Allah comes the last third of the night Allah not the angels Allah and you know what he says he says hal min da'in is there anyone going to make dua from me now and I'll give it to them is there anyone asking for forgiveness I can forgive them this is every single night and guess what? There are portion of people who every single night their response is, is a snoring. They're sleeping. They're not even responding to that dua. They're not responding to the statement of Allah. Are we all together? So you, sh so you shouldn't be like that. Even if it's something very small, pray at night. Allah said about the believers, These people, what do they sleep? They sleep very little. And one of the things that I encourage you all is that if you can't wake up for Qiyamul Layl, then don't sleep on a bed. 
Sleep on somewhere hard, maybe the floor. Sleep somewhere where you can get up. And to pray. Even if it's what? Even if it's the floor. Even if it's what? The floor. You sleep on it so you can wake up and you can pray. You pray as much as you can. And you pray. This is a great characteristic of a believer. Hoping from Allah and being fearful of Allah. You hope from Him Jannah and you fear from Him what? Nar. We all have something in our lives that we want, true or false. Do we not? Do we not? Is there anyone here who doesn't want some things in their lives? Everyone here has a need. The one whose treasures never finish is coming down for you and he's asking you, is there anything you need? Respond to him. And the closest that you are to Allah Taala is in your prostration. أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونُ الْعَبْدُ لِرَبِّهِ وَهُوَ سَاجِدٌ the time that you're the most closest to Allah is when you're in a state of prostration and your, your face is on the floor, sujood. So increase in it and beg Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Prophet said to him, Before I move on, some of the Salaf they said, the, the person who is honored to pray Qiyamul Layl, because to be able to stand up at that time and to pray to Allah is an invitation, brothers. You're invited. So not, everyone, not everyone is given that, that privilege to speak to Allah. But you know what they said? It's a reflection of your day. The night and the Qiyamul Layl is a reflection of your day. And the way that you are the daytime and the way you've been acting the daytime is a reflection of what you're going to be getting at nighttime. If you are good at daytime, Allah will honor you to allow you to pray at nighttime. And it's the, one of the best ways to hold the Quran. If you memorize the Quran, one of the ways to hold the Quran is what? Your Qiyamul Layl. You finish your Quran. What do you do? You finish your Quran in your Qiyam. Maybe you might not get any other chance to sit down and read and revise your Quran. So what do you do? Every week you finish the Quran once in your Qiyamul Layl, at least. Huh? Once a week. You finish the Quran in your Qiyam. And you do that four times a month or five. And your Quran stays strong and you're praying Salah. Your relationship with Allah is so strong. Everyone else can ask whoever they want from the creation. You are asking from the creator. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And humans, brothers, the more you ask from them, the more you demand from them, the more they start hating you. Allah Azza wa Jalla, the more you ask from him, the more he loves you. The more your level grows. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Shall I not tell you the highest level? So what do I mean by the Qiyamul Layl is a reflection of your day? What do I mean by that? What I mean is if the daytime you were following the commandments of Allah and you were staying away from the prohibitions, 
you will be honored by Allah to be able to talk to him at night. You get a VIP treatment. Huh? Does it make sense now? Jazakallah khairan. So the Prophet said to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Shall I tell you the highest level, the pillars of Islam, the strongest structure of Islam? Shall I tell you what they are? Rasul Amri Islam. The head of his, the head of everything is Islam. salah, and the pillar is salah. And means the highest. Did what Sunnah, by the way, brothers, it means the layer, the highest level of the hump of the camel. You know the camel? The, the camel. What does it have? Has hump, right? The highest level of there, where top part is called Dirwatu Sinam. The highest level is Al Jihad fi Sabilillah. Of course, it means Jihadun Nafsu, the Jihad of your Nafs, and it also means Jihad of fighting with the disbelievers. Thumbakala, then the Prophet said, Allah Ukhbiru kabi milaki dalika kuli. Shall I then tell you something? Ah, this is the biggest one. Should I not tell you something that can govern all of that? Ajib, right? All of that which the Prophet mentioned. Muhad said, Bala, of course. The Prophet said, The Prophet grabbed his tongue and he said this. Get hold of your tongue. Protect your tongue. Your tongue. And now, subhanallah, 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 the tongue, the backbiting, the speech that are said about others, the slandering, the tail bearing. The tongue, something big, right? Mu'adh said, are we going to be held account for the things that we speak, O Messenger of Allah? Are we going to be held account for it? The Prophet said, Mu'ad, may your mother lose you. May your mother lose you. And this, by the way, it translates not in a positive way in the English language. صح? It sounds scary. Like in two answers the scholars gave. Number one, this wasn't a... Dua against a person. It's not. It's what the Arabs used to say. Even in our language and every other language, they have uh, wordings that they use like that, a phrase that if you translate it, you're like, oof, that is serious. But it doesn't mean that. You use it for loved ones. and you. So the Arabs never meant it what it seems like. Second thing is, there's a hadith narrated from the Prophet ﷺ where he said, if I, cur- if I make dua against the believers, the believers, if I say things against the believers, then that dua gets, sorry, that, that gets turned into a dua for them. Are we all together? The Prophet said that, Al Imam Muslim narrated in Sahih. Now pay attention to this. The best translation is that the Arabs never used it for that, to be a curse against a person. The Prophet then said to him, in response, he said to him, what, is, what else do the people go into the hellfire head first? Why do you think the people go head in first into Jahannam, 
except what their tongues have brought forward. It is their tongue that's done this to them. A poet he said, "Ihfad he said, Ihfad lisanaka ayyuhal insanu. O person, protect your tongue. Do not let your tongue bite you, for verily it's a scorpion. Your tongue is a scorpion. Don't let it bite you. How many people ended up in their graves because of statements that they said? Words that they exchanged with someone and then they got shot or something or they got killed or it led to something one after the you know what the Prophet told us? He said, There is not a day where the slave wakes up except his body parts, they talk to the tongue. Every morning, when you wake up, your body talks to your tongue. And your body parts say to the tongue, Fear Allah in us. If you are steadfast, we are steadfast with you, O tongue. And if you're corrupt, we're corrupt with you. What does it mean? Because you say something and the, the hand comes after it, right? If you do good, we go do good with you. And if you say something evil, we will follow you. We'll just do what you have to do. We'll save you. Are we all together, brothers? The tongue is a very powerful organ. It's a what? It's a very powerful organ. The Prophet ﷺ told us success is connected to three things. Nabi Muhammad told us this. The Prophet said success is three things. The first one is what, of them is what? The first of them is Amsik Lisanaka, protect your tongue. Protect your tongue. Some of the scholars, some of the wise men have once said, what they said was, the more a person is knowledgeable, the less he talks. And the more he is less knowledgeable, the more he speaks. Because they said, an empty Vessel makes more noise than a full, full vessel. So, if you have a, a gallon, the water's half. If you shake it, it makes more sound, right? Than if it's full. When it's full, it makes what? It makes uh, less sound. So the person who's knowledgeable speaks less, listens more. The second that the Prophet sallallahu said from the success is وَلِيَسَعْكَ بَيْتُكَ Let your house be a shelter for you. What does that mean? It means when the trials and tribulations come, learn to hold yourself in your houses. Keep away from the fitna. Don't get caught up in the fitna. It's tempting. A lot of people, you get tempted to get caught up in the fitna. Who knows the third one? 
this hadith is hadith Uqbatum al Amir. Cry over your mistakes and your shortcomings Whenever you remember the things that you did And the mistakes that came from you Cry over it It's a sign of success So from the first of them is So those three are the success Protect your tongue Run away from the fitna and go to your houses. And the third one is cry over your sins. Brothers, I want to remind you something. What does it mean, run away from fitna and, and run to your houses? It means that your house is a safe haven for you. Huh? Imagine if your house is worse than what's outside. Imagine if you have a 60 plasma television in your house. And all the shara and the facade is in your house. And people have all these gadgets and everything. And the fitna that's happening in your house is worse than the streets. So, are we all together? Imagine that. Naam. Ah. How do you reconcile this hadith What we mentioned That when the person wakes up every morning The heart Sorry the body Talks to the what? To the tongue And it says Fear Allah in In us If you are steadfast We're steadfast And if you are corrupted We are corrupted With you How do you reconcile that With the other narration That says that the heart is the king There is no contradiction The reason is because The body From within the body The tongue is the leader and the whole entire human, the heart is the leader. The heart doesn't talk to the tongue. It's the body that talks to the tongue. Because the tongue controls the body. Are we all together? And as for the entirety of the human, the qalb controls it. That's what Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen said when he was asked that same question. Same question was put in. Al-Hadith <laughs> الحديث الثلاثون عن أبي ثعلبة عن أبي ثعلبة الخسني الخسني جرثوم بن ناشر رضي الله عنه عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن الله عز وجل عز وجل فرض فرائض فلا تضيعوها وحد حدودا فلا تعتدوها وحرم أشياء فلا تت فلا تت تنتهكوها وسكت عن أشياء عن أشياء رحمة لكم من غير نسيان نسيان فلا تبحثوا عنها حديث حسن رواه الدار الدار قطني وغيره أبي ثعلبة الخشني جرثوم بن عامر أما جرثوم بن ناشر سوري he said that the Prophet ﷺ said, "Inna Allah Taala farad faraidun fala tudayyuha, wahad hududan fala taatduha, waharram ashya rahmatan lakum, ama waharram ashya fala tantehikuha, wasakat an ashya rahmatan lakum, fala tabhathu anha." What does this mean? It means the religion is divided into three. 
the religion, the sharia is divided into three commandments. Things that we're commanded to do. The second is things that we're prohibited from. And three is that which is made permissible for us. It's made permissible. Mubah. If we want, we can do it. And if we want, we can leave it. So the religion is three. Things we have to do. Things we have to stay away from. And things is our choice whether we want to do it or not. Okay? The things which are the must that we need to do, ability is not connected to it. And ability is connected to it. The things that we have to do, the sharia looks at your ability. The things that we need to stay away from, ability is not looked at. The things that you want to do, I mean, the things that you can or can't, if you want to, it's your choice. It's called mubah. Are we all together? It's called what? Mubah. It's your choice. You can leave it or do it if you want to. Who made this permissible for you? Allah Azza wa Allah made this permissible. True or false? If Allah made something permissible for the people, can someone come and make it haram from the, from the people? Yeah? If Allah made something mubah for the people, it's mubah. Can someone come and say it's haram? Can they? Yeah? Yes or no? No one can, can anyone can okay let's stop now put your hand up if you drive put your hand up if you drive if you drive of course drive a car not a bicycle if you drive a car put your hand up if you drive a car put your hand up if you drive a car and may Allah make it easy for those who don't drive and give them the strength and the ability to drive. Do you guys stop at the traffic lights when it's red? Those of you who drive. You do, right? It, it, it depends, yeah? <laughs> Be careful, brothers. Be careful. You know, stop at the red lights, inshallah. Unless it takes long. <laughs> so when it's red light, you have to stop, sah? Driving everywhere was mubah. How can a system say you have to stop here? Are they making haram what Allah made mubah? We could drive wherever we want. Under wherever light. A government comes and says stop. It's red. You have to stop. They're turning something that was mubah into what? Haram. And they're going to give you... What do we do in this situation, brothers? Huh? So this issue, are we allowed to stop at the red lights? But you all said, or majority of you guys nodded, that you can't make the mubah haram. Allah made it halal, huh? But it was permissible by Allah. Allah made it permissible. So that means I can drive on the pavement. I can drive through red lights. These were all mubah. Because Allah said, Qulsiru fil ardi. Travel on this earth. Allah said, follow the leader. Can we follow the leader in that which is haram? What if it's not a Muslim leader? Uh, it's a democracy. Hayyah. 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 Wa ulul amri minkum. Hayyah. 
Remember last time when we took everything you don't know, what do you say? No one said Allah Alam. If you said that, you would get a tick. <laughs> you get a Hamza Faddal. I like the fact that you're all very adamant and alhamdulillah all of you guys see how important it is that we follow the rules and regulations. Allahumma barik. I'm with you guys. By the way, I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that we drive on pavements or we go through red lights. No way am I saying that. But I'm saying how do we reconcile these two? It's very easy. Write this down. The mubah is two types. The mubah is what? It's two types. The first mubah is that which the sharia stated its ibaha. The sharia came and said this is halal. The ibaha, the permissibility of it is stated. Are we all together brothers? It's stated. No leader, no individual can make this one haram. No one can. This is called ibahatul mawsusa. It's a ibaha that is stated. No leader, no individual can make this one. Huh? No leader or no person can come and say this is haram. Are we all together? No one can. The second type is that which the sharia was silent about. The ibaha here, the permissibility of this came by way of the sharia being silent about it and we know whatever the sharia is silent about it it's mubah you can do it are we all together because of the hadith here that we have and whatever allah is silent about he was silent about it because of what mercy for you do it the sharia doesn't come and say you're allowed to use a mobile phone you're allowed to do this no it just doesn't say that it's haram so it means it's halal and of course here we're talking about Mu'amalat We're not talking about Ibadat Ibadat you have to get evidence for it Are we all together? Anything which comes by way of what? Huh? Sukut The Sharia didn't say anything about it If the leader sees benefit In prohibiting the people from it He can Or if a father sees it A wisdom and a maslaha rajiha to stop the people from it. The second type, which is what? That which the Sharia is silent about. If the leader sees a benefit in prohibiting the people from it and stripping the ibaha from them, he can do that. Are we all together? And that's what Ahmed Shakir mentioned in the Hashia of Musnad al Imam Ahmed. Are we all together? So driving a car is something which comes by way of what? Whatever the Sharia was silent about. So the leader, if he sees a maslaha in telling you, you stop here, you walk here, you, he can do that. He's allowed to. Are we all together, brothers? He's allowed to. Naam. Brothers, we won't finish. We've got 42 hadiths to do. I want to finish it today. So let's, inshallah, if we get time, let's do the questions at the end. Barakallah. الحديث الحادي والثلاثون 
عن ابي عن ابي العباس سهل سهل بن سعد الساعدي رضي الله عنه قال جاء جاء رجل الى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال يا رسول الله دلني على عمل اذا انا عملته احبني الله واحبني الناس فقال ازهد في الدنيا يحبك يحبك الله وازهد في فيما عند عند الناس يحبك الناس حديث حسن رواه ابن ماجه وغيره باسانيد باسانيد حسنه a man came to the Prophet and he said, Ya Rasulullah, tell me an action. If I do it, Allah will love me and the people will love me. This shows the permissibility of wanting the people to love you. No problem. There's no problem in wanting the people to love you. But first has to come who? Allah. Are we all together? Because the Sahabi asked, he said, tell me an action that Allah will love me and the people will love me. But your concern should not be the people on the expense of who? Allahu Azza wa Jalla. And if it wasn't allowed for the people to love you, the Prophet would have said, Why are you concerned about whether the people love you or not? Are you there? But we do say the people's love doesn't matter if it's pleasing to Allah. Are we all together? <clears throat> How can you earn the love of Allah? Izhad fi dunya yuhibbukallah. Be aesthetic in this dunya, Allah will love you. Wazhad fi ma'inda nasi. Leave off what's in the hands of the people. Don't be a person who wants what's in the people's hands. The people love you. Humans love when a person doesn't want them, doesn't need them. He's muqtani'ah. He's, he's pleased with what Allah gave him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The people love you then. The minute the people realize that you want something what's in their hands or something that they own, that's when they don't want you anymore. Their love for you is as long as you don't need them. And the minute you turn and you make a 180 and you say, I need something from you, that's when they show you discomfort. So do you want the people to love you? Uh, leave off whatever is in their hands. Be self-sufficient. Rely on Allah wa ta'ala. Well, some of the Salaf, it was transmitted from them that they would stay away from the people. So, sorry, they would stay away from wanting what's in the hands of the people or even asking from the people so much so that if they were on their riding beast and their stick fell on the ground and someone was on the ground they wouldn't say get it for me what would they do they'll go down themselves and do it themselves all of this is what was had nas. what does zuhd mean to allah ta'ala remember i mentioned this before and i'm going to repeat it again zuhd is when four things are present you stay away from the haram. A zahid is a person who stays away, from, from, stays, stays away from the haram. You stay away from the makruhat, the disliked things. You also stay away from the al-mutashabihat, the ambiguous things that are unclear to you. Stay away from it. And the fourth is fudulul mubahat. Don't overdo the permissible things. Talking and eating too much. It's called fudul mubahat. Don't overdo it. Socializing all the time, eating too much, playing games too much. Don't overdo it. Azaid doesn't do the first three, and the fourth one, he does it biqadri al haja. The fourth one, he does it according to the need. According to the, the need. That's a Zahid. That's a Zahid. Like, can you find some of the. Uh, 
some of the Sufis in their books, they say the Sheikh was a very Zahid, so aesthetic, and they mentioned all of his characteristics. And then he said, Masallah, he never prayed for 40 years. So they look at the Imam to be Zahid who hasn't prayed for 40 years. What Zahid is? Zuhd is that? Zuhd is do the wajibat. Stay away from Muharramat. Are we all together? Naam. الحديث الثاني والثلاثون عن أبي سعد عن أبي سعيد سعد بن مالك 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 بن سنان الخدري رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا ضرر ولا ولا ضرار حديث حسن رواه ابن ماجه والدار قطني وغيرهم وغيرهما مسندا ورواه مالك في الموطئ في الموطئ مرسلا عن عن عمرو بن عن عمرو بن يحيى عن ابي عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فاسقط ابا سعيد وله طرق يقوي بعضها على بعضها بعضه هي ذس حديث الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم هي سيس لا ضرر ولا ضرار the best definition, I mean, the best meaning that's given is, is don't initiate harm to the people and don't harm the people in retaliation as well. Which we mentioned before in the oppression. Don't initiate harm to the people and harm the people around you. And also don't bring about harm when you're retaliating. If someone harms you, Shar'an, you're allowed to harm them in response to the amount of harm that they caused you and not overdo it. Are we all together? Like you can't go overboard. Someone slapped you and then you took a big stick and you bashed him on the head and you broke his jaw and everything. No, you're not allowed to. Stick to what he did to you if you want to. And if you forgive, it's even better. If you forgive, it's what? It's better. And sometimes what you tend to find with some people is, and it's not a good thing, is someone wronged another person. And so they go to the one that was wrong and then they say, Akhi, just forgive him. Just forgive him. No, 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 no. First of all, tell the one that wronged you wronged. Give this person an option. You got this one and this one. Then tell him, forgive. If you don't, it brings animosity. Are we all together? He's older than you. Just let go. Just let go. And no one talks to the oppressor and the wrongdoer. And he's walking there with... He's walking there excited and happy. No one's telling him anything. And the one that's been oppressed is being told, yes, be patient. Allah loves those who are patient. That's not the context of the Quran. The Quran speaks about retaliation before it talks about the forgiving. It tells the person, okay, then forgive them if he wants. Are we all together? That's how you go about it. You tell the individual, look, you've wronged. He wronged you. He's in the wrong. You shouldn't do this. You have two options. Do you want to take your rights from him or do you want to forgive? And then you remind him of the virtue of forgiving, how honorable it is. Let him feel like he has this option and he has the other option and let him choose. Don't force him into it. Don't force him into it. Naam. Al-Hadith al-Thalith wa-Thalathun عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال 
لو يعطى الناس بدعواهم لا دعا رجال اموال لا دعا رجال اموال قوم قوم ودماءهم لكن البينه على المدعي مدعي واليمين على من انكر حديث حسن رواه البيهقي وغيره هكذا وأصله في الصحيحين. This hadith is one of the greatest hadith that I use in قواعد الفقية أصول الفقه. It's a big قاعدة which is أن الدعوة لا تقبل إلا ببينة. That claims are not accepted unless there's proof with it. We don't accept a person's claim. Unless proof is provided. If everybody was given whatever they wanted, if everybody just claimed things and they were given what they claimed, then the people would claim people's wealth and money and their nafs. He would have said, This person's got his whole house is mine. Give it to me, people. That's what people do. People claim people's nafs. He killed my family member, killing for me. If you go and you accuse a person of something, bring your evidences. The one who's been accused now, all he has to do, he doesn't have to prove, by the way, he doesn't have to prove his innocency. He doesn't. Because the default position is, he's innocent until proven guilty. The one who wants to remove this from him and say that you are guilty is the one who has to bring the evidence. وَلْيَمِينُ عَلَى مَنْ أَنْكَرُ he just has to say, Wallahi, this is not true. That's all that's needed from the innocent one. The one who's bringing the accusation has to what? Bring evidences. Tangible, solid evidences. Islam, look at this, subhanAllah. 1,400 something years ago, it brought this about. How to judge between the people. A person's coming and he's saying, this person has taken my car. Okay, wait. The one who's claiming that this man took the car, bring evidence. This man is innocent. The car is his. He's innocent. He just, for him, for him is Yameen. Bring the paperwork. Bring your evidence that you brought it, your receipts, the contract. Bring people who can witness that this car was yours. Go, go, go. Homework. This one, he's just waiting for that day. When the day comes, he's going to swear by Allah. Wallahi, billahi, tallahi. This is not true. Are we all together? And this one has to provide. This one does not bring any evidences. The case is dismissed. Whatever is in his hand remains in his hand. Are we all together, brothers? Even if it's from, even if it's an non-Muslim, he whatever he he swears by whatever textual evidence he believes. The Qadi accepts that from him. Jamhara min al-Ilm believe that, and another group of scholars they say that his honor is taken, like whatever his integrity. The disbelievers are not all liars. They are not all liars. So, if he has, and the strongest call that Shaykh Al-Sam Taymiyyah mentioned in this issue is that, Rahimahullah, that the disbeliever doesn't have to make a covenant oath. What the disbeliever has to do is, he just has to wait for the rule to come, and what? Against him, proof evidences. The fact that he said, I'm innocent, will be taken from him. And this one, what? has to bring the evidences. We'll tell the Muslim, go about and get the, get the, get the, get the evidences. Al-Hadith al-Rabi'u wa-Thalathun An Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu qala sami'atu Rasulallah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ya qul 
من رأى منكم منكرا فليغيره بيده بيده فإن لم يستطع فبلسانه فإن لم يستطع فبقلبه وذلك أضعف أضعف الإيمان رواه مسلم. This hadith teach, talks about the changing of evil. It's called تغيير المنكر. The changing of evil. You have to change evil, and it's obligatory to change the evil. But the way that you change the evil is in two ways: either you fully remove it or you lessen it. You either fully remove it and get rid of it, or you lessen it. Are we all together? So, the removing of the evil becomes four. The first one is you fully remove it, that's good. You lessen it, that's good. You remove an evil and you bring another evil that's equal to it. The scholars differ. It's a dispute. You remove the evil and you brought about another evil equal to it, equal to it. This is a discussion amongst the scholars and the strongest opinion is that you can't. The fourth is you removing an evil and you're bringing a greater evil. This is by consensus of the scholars not allowed. Are we all together? Those are the four types that it becomes. You remove the evil fully, that's one. You lessen the evil that's there. Three. You bring an evil that's equal to this evil. So you're trying to remove this evil, but you're bringing about another evil with it, which is equal to it. There's a dispute. And the fourth one is that you're removing the evil and there is going to come a greater evil than what you're trying to do. Are we all together? And this is the issue of rebelling against leaders. Rebelling against leaders and protesting against them brings about a greater problem. It does. And that's why it's not allowed. Naam. الحديث الخامس والثلاثون عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تحاسدوا ولا تناجسوا ولا ولا تباغضوا ولا تدابروا تدابروا ولا يبع بعضكم على بيع بعض وكونوا عباد الله إخوانا المسلم أخو المسلم المسلم لا يظلمه ولا ولا يخذل يخذله ولا يكذبه ولا يحقر التقوى ها هنا ويشير إلى صدره ثلاث مرات يحسب يحسب امرئ بحسب امرئ من من الشر من الشر أن يحقر أخاه المسلم كل مسلم على على المسلم حرام دم دمه وماله وعرضه رواه مسلم. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in this hadith he prohibited حسد. حسد means تمني زوال النعمة عن حسد means تمني زوال النعمة. You want Allah to remove a blessing that He's given someone. Oh Allah, take it away from me. That's what you want. Oh Allah, just take it away from this person. It comes in two ways. The first one is, Oh Allah, take it from him and give it to me. That's very bad. That's called hasad. There's another form of hasad which is the worst one. Oh Allah, take it from him. Don't even give it to me if you want. But just don't. But just don't let this man have it. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajul. And some people like that. 
hasad. There are some people who can't allow other people to be good. Are we all together? But the good hasad is, oh Allah, let him have it. Oh Allah, increase him in it. But also give it to me. This is permissible. It's the permissible type of hasad. That the hadith mentioned, لا حسد إلا فتنتين رجل آتاه الله مالا فسلطه على هلكته. A person, you saw a man who's rich and he has money and he's building masajids and he's been building wells and he's doing this and he's doing that and you say, Ya Allah, Ya Rabb, give me what you've given this man. Don't take it away from him. Don't take it away from him, oh Allah. Let him have it, increase it for him. But I also want the same. This is good. Or you saw a person of great Islamic knowledge and you said, Ya Allah, this man, what he has is very good. I like it. Oh Allah, give me as well and let him have it. This is good. There's no problem. Like in, oh Allah, take it away from him. I don't want him to have it. Oh Allah, bring his, his, the, the ni'mah that he has, bring it to an end. This is evil. This is a sickness of the heart. And there are people who have that illness. Other people have that. Yeah? They do have that. And they give you the evil look. means there's a person who doesn't want to buy a product. He comes to the market he works with the guy who owns the shop and he, they, they, he comes and he says, how much are you selling it to this person for? Oh, is this the last product? And he's like, yeah, it's the last product. Okay, I'll buy it for 50. And the brother goes, no, 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 I was buying it. He told, you told me 35, right? He goes, no, nah, I'm not going to sell it to you anymore. I'm going to send it to brother so-and-so. He's going to sell it to me for 50. No, no, okay, I'll 55, I'll take it. No, 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 60. What? But this person was never planning to buy it. All he wants to do is just increase the wealth and he's going to leave. When he reaches 70, he's like, they have their sign and he goes and he leaves. This person ends up paying 70, thinking that this product is unique. It's only one in the market. And then he goes, don't do that to one another. That's what it is. And don't hate one another. المسلمين is not permissible. Hating one another. Hating here means on worldly issues world issues but if a person is going, doing things which are haram shara'an and they're going against the religion and he's been advised and he's been told then you hate it for the sake of Allah for the sake of the religion don't turn your backs on one another and don't sell on one, on one another uh, don't do that to one another be brothers to one another. Al Muslim Akul Muslim. A Muslim is the brother of another Muslim. La Yadlim who doesn't oppress him. Wala Yakhdul who he doesn't he doesn't humiliate or forsake him. Wala Yakhdib who he doesn't lie to him. Wala Yahkir who and he doesn't belittle him. Ah, don't belittle your Muslim brothers. At Taqwaha Huna, the Taqwa is here, and the Prophet mentioned it three times. And then the Prophet said, Bihasbi Mri'im mina Sharri and Yahkira Akahu Muslim. You know what's enough for you to be an evil person is that you belittle everyone. Ah. You belittle everyone you see. Like, who are they? Who are they? Huh? Like that. You, there's some people like that. Everyone, they're like. Appreciate so, Don't say that to everyone. Don't. Every Muslim to another Muslim is haram. Blood, wealth, and honor. Now.
الحديث السادس والثلاثون عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من نفس عن مؤمن كربة 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 من كرب الدنيا نفس الله نفس الله عند عنه كربة كربة من كرب يوم القيامة ومن يسر على معسر يسر الله يسر يسر الله عليه في الدنيا والآخرة ومن ستر مسلما ستره ستر ستره الله في الدنيا والآخرة والله في عون العبد ما كان العبد في عون أخيه ومن سلك طريقا يلتمس فيها علما سهل الله له به به طريقا إلى الجنة ومجتمع ومجتمع قوم في بيت من في بيت من بيوت الله يتلون كتاب الله ويتدارسونه بينهم إلا نزلت عليهم السكينة وغشيتهم الرحمة وعفتهم الملائكة وذكرهم الله في من عنده ومن بطأ ومن بطأ ومن بطأ بعمله لم يسرع به نسبه رواه مسلم بهذا اللفظ The Prophet sallallahu said in this hadith, Man nafas a mu'min in kurbatan min kurabi dunya, nafas Allahu anu kurbatan min kurabi yawm al-qiyamah. Anyone who uplifts a burden from his Muslim brother, Allah will uplift the burden from you the day of judgment. You saw a person who was struggling in life, and you said, what, what's your problem? Guess what? It's sorted. Allah will do that for you the day of judgment. And anyone who makes matters easy for the people, Allah will make it easy for you. What's the difference between the first and the second? The first one is the burden has already come on this person. You're taking it off them. And it may not necessarily come from you. It may come from someone else that put the burden on them. You come and you uplift that burden from them. The second one on the other hand is, this is even before it comes. Mate, you are making things easy for a person. Allah will make matters easy for you in this dunya and the akhirah. وَمَنْ سَتَرَ مُسْلِمًا سَتَرَهُ اللَّهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْأَخِرَةِ You know your Muslim brother who is doing mistakes, who has problems, he has this and that. Hide his mistakes. Don't, don't expose him and don't mention his mistakes in public. Keep it private. Don't speak about their mistakes. Uh, some people, they love to speak about people's mistakes. And if you do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to expose you. If you mention people's wrongdoings and mistakes and you keep talking about it, then it will come out your one. The Prophet Don't bite the Muslims. And don't try to expose the Muslims. And don't try to follow up the Muslims, the Muslims their mistakes. The hadith is saying this. Don't follow people's mistakes and look for their mistakes. And all you're there is just to find mistakes from them. If you do that, Allah will bring out the issues of your house to the public. Things that happen in your household, in your, in your life, in your private life, it will be on the streets. Allah will expose you, subhanahu wa ta'ala, because you are following our people's mistakes. And we all know that what we wish for the people is that Allah ta'ala hides their mistakes and their shortcomings that people do. If it's private, we keep it private for them. Are we all together? This hadith also mentions the virtue of uh, seeking knowledge. Everyone who takes a path to seek knowledge, that path that you took in this dunya to seek knowledge will be changed and turned into a path to Jannah, the Day of Judgment. 
And even if you come to a gathering, brothers, you didn't want to seek knowledge, you just want to sit there. Guess what? You're still going to get rewarded for it. Because what's going to happen? Except Allah's tranquility will come down on them. Ghashiyah here means tranquility. It will come uh, on them. Tranquility will come on them. Allah's mercy will come down to them as well. The angels will revolve around them and protect them. وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهُ And Allah will mention you in His presence. We we'll say, look at this creation over there. Look what, they do, look what they're doing. It's New Year, and they didn't go out to see the countdown. So they said, we're going to go to the masjid, and we're going to study our religion. We don't want to see the countdown. So they, the angels will mention, Allah will mention that, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will say, look at my slaves. Look how they chose khair over when other people chose not to. And if your actions delay you and your actions put you back, don't ever think that my lineage, my I'm from a scholar, my family are scholars, or I'm from this country. Oh, by the way, I'm an Arab. All of that will not help you if your actions don't help you. Now, by the way, the reason why I went to mention the countdown was someone called me today and said, Brother, I don't know, shall I come to the lecture? Or, can I, or shall I go to the countdown? I said, what do you think? He goes, I'll come to the lecture. I said, mashallah, that's a good choice. Al-Hadith al-Sabi'u al-Thalathun An Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma An Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Fima yarawihi An rabbihi tabaraka wa ta'ala Qala Inna Allah katab al-hasanati wa al-sayyat ثم بين ذلك فمن هم فمن هم فمن هم بحسنة فلم يعمل يعملها كتبها الله عنده حسنة كاملة وإنهم بها فعملها كتبها الله عنده عشر حسنات إلا سبعمائة ضعف إلى إلى أضعاف كثيرة وإن وإنهم بسيئة فلم يعمل وإن هم بسيئات فلم يعملها كتبها الله عنده حسنة كاملة وإنهم بها فعمل وإن هم بها فعمل فعملها كتبها الله سيئة واحدة رواه البخاري ومسلم في صحيحهما في صحيحهما بهذه الحروف فانظر يا أخي وقفنا وفقنا الله وإياك إلى عظيم لطف الله تعالى وتأمل هذه الألفاظ وقوله عنده إشارة إلى الاعتناء بها وقوله كاملة للتأكيد وشدة الاعتناء بها وقال في السيئة التي هم بها ثم تركها كتبها الله عنده حسنة كاملة فأكدها بكاملة وإن عملها كتبها الله سيئة واحدة فأكد فأكد تقليلها بواحدة ولم يؤكدها بكاملة فلله الحمد والمنة وسبحانه لا نحصي ثناء عليه وبالله التوفيق هذا حديث حديث من عباس this hadith al-Qudsi. Inna Allah, Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, 
he writ al-hasanati was sayyat the good and the the evil meaning allah tabarak wa ta'ala he has two types of qadr um, two types of kitaba we mentioned it right kitaba qadariya and kitaba shar'iya here is talking about kitaba qadariya good and evil is written thumma bayyana dhalik and allah tabarak wa ta'ala clarified which one is which faman hamma bi hasanatin someone who intended to do good فَلَمْ he didn't do the good Allah will write for him حَسَنَةً kamila. he wanted to do good but he didn't do it Allah will write it for you you wanted to do the good but you didn't end up doing the good you'll get one reward for it even though you didn't do it وَإِنْ هَمَّ بِهَا but what about if he intends to do it فَعَمِلَهَا but he does it كَتَبَهَ اللَّهُ عِنْدَهُ عَشَرَ حَسَنَاتٍ he's going to get two seven he's going to get ten rewards up to 700 and will be multiplied for him the person intended evil but he didn't do it the person intended to do something evil but he didn't do it he said you know what I'm not going to do this he will get one reward for it what about if he does the evil that he thought about doing he thought of the evil and he did the evil only one sin so what does Allah want for you? good look how kind he is he only wrote one sin for you when you did do it and when you chose not to do it Allah gave you one reward that's what the ayah means Allah wants to make things easy for us Allah wants to make things easy for us Allah wants to take your repentance. Allah wants, Allah wants to make things good for you. It's us. Naam. But let's put the questions to the end because I stopped some students from it. If I answer your one, it's going to be unfair on them. So I'm going to put those questions to the end, inshallah. Please, let me finish it. I need to finish it today so we can start Nukhbatul Fikr tomorrow. Naam. الحديث الثامن والثلاثون عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله تعالى قال من عاد من عاد لي وليا فقد آذنت فقد آذنته بالحرب وما تقرب إلي عبدي بشيء أحب إلي مما مما افترضته عليه ولا يزال عبدي يتقرب إلي بالنوافل حتى أحبه فإذا أحببته كنت سمع كنت كنت سمعه الذي يسمع يسمع به وبصره الذي يبصر يبصر به ويده التي يبطش بها ورجله التي يمشي بها ولئن سألني لا أعطينه ولئن استعاذني لا أعذينه لا أعذينه رواه البخاري. Again we're coming to another حديث القدسي. Where the Prophet said, Allah said, Anyone who shows enmity to the awliya of Allah, meaning the ulama and the people of knowledge, and the righteous people, or even the righteous people, even if he's not a scholar, but he's a righteous person, a noble person. If you are in war with those people and you're showing enmity to those people, then remember you are in a mubarazah. Mubarazah means what? 
you are in a direct fight with Allah Azza wa Jalla. The word Mubaraza, which is another wording that came in the hadith, Mubaraza means when the battle starts, before the fight kicks off, both parties, they send uh, men from each side. And then they fight like that. That's called Mubaraza. You are directly fighting with Allah like that. It's very serious. Who's going to win that fight? Allah Azza wa Jalla. So stay away from that. فَقَدْ آذَنْتُوا بِالْحَرْبِ وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا افْتَرَضْتُوا عَلَيْهِ The hadith mentions that the thing Allah loves the most is for you to come with the obligatory acts. And then number one is to do the wajibat. And you tend to find some people who are doing voluntary things when they've forsaken the wajibat. Do the wajibat first. وَلَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُوا إِلَيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلِ And then the slave brothers, after he's done the wajibat, he then goes for the voluntary. The voluntary comes after what? After the wajibat. Here is where the scholars question. A person hasn't fasted the month of Ramadan. The wajib of Ramadan hasn't been finished. He was sick for a couple of days. Now the six days of Shawwal comes. Is he allowed to fast those six days of Shawwal? When the obligatory is outstanding Some of the scholars they said no He has to fast Ramadan And finish Ramadan first Before he can think about uh, Shawwal Because Shawwal is a sunnah And Ramadan is a wajib And the wajib takes precedence over the, the sunnah And they use this hadith Because the Prophet said in the hadith Allah Azza wa Jalla said وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ بِعَبْدِي شَيْءٍ بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا افْتَرَضْتُ عَلَيْهِ The thing Allah loves the most is the wajibat and the volunteer was mentioned after that. And also the other evidence that they used was the Prophet وسلم, he said, Anyone who fasts Ramadan and then he follows it with Shawwal. So he fasts Ramadan, all of Ramadan is done. And then it's Shawwal. So they said, look, he has to do Ramadan first and then Shawwal. We won't go into this because we've spoken about it many times and we've explained it in Umdatul Ahkam. If the person does the wajibat and then follows it up with a voluntary, he will become beloved to Allah Azza wa Jalla. And he will become beloved to Allah so much so that your hearings will be protected. Allah will protect your hearing. Allah will protect your seeing. Allah Ta'ala protect your hand and what you touch. Allah protect you where you walk to. He will protect you. You will be under Allah Ta'ala's care. And this person, if he asks me for something, I will give it to him. And if he seeks refuge in me, I will protect him from what he asks me from. That you become that powerful. In other words, this hadith explains to us who is a wali. A wali is a what? The one who did the wajibat and then come with the, came with the voluntary as well. So, in some places in the world, ah. They've made the awliya, and if you tend to look at the Sufiya, the Yirhamukallah. The Sufiya, they who is the awliya for the Sufiya? Have you ever seen a woman who's the awliya for the Sufiya? Have they ever have you ever seen them make a woman as a wali for the Sufiya? Have you ever seen that? Yeah? They do. In India they did it. Allah very. Yeah? In Pakistan, okay. Allah very. But it's not common amongst them. Feminists, why don't they fight with these guys? 
Because this is their rights that's been taken from them here. The woman can be a wali. Well, who's preventing her from being a wali? If she came with the wajibat and she came with the volunteer, she's a wali. Why is it only men that have to be the awliya? No, they don't. The women can be a wali. So the feminists are fighting in a battle and they're doing things which are not needed from them. This is where they should have been. Yeah? This is where they should have got their rights that's taken from them. Ah. If we can use the word feminism. Feminism is disbelief of Allah, it's not Islam. Naam. الحديث التاسع والثلاثون عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن الله تجاوز لي عن أمة الخطأ والنسيان ومستكره عليه حديث حسن رواه ابن ماجة والبيحقي وغيرهما um, This hadith we've touched on it when we were speaking about قواعد الفقهية Three things we are forgiven for if it happens from us the first, in Allah al-khata. If we do something by mistake, we're forgiven. Wan if we forget something which we had to have, we had to do this, but we forgot it, Allah will forgive us. and if we are coerced into doing something, no, we're forgiven. Three times, three situations. If we if we do something out of mistake, out of mistake, we're not going to be held accountable for it. We're not going to be held. We're not going to be held account for it. And no one's going to hold you account for it. Yeah, Allah is not going to punish you for it. You're not going to be punished for doing this action by in Allah. But if you hit someone and they died from it, you have to pay the, you have to pay the blood money. You can't say, well, it was khata. It was a mistake. Then this blood, what's going to happen with it? Are they just going to their child or their son? No, the blood money needs to be given. But like in, to Allah, you're not a criminal. It was a mistake. رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَخِذْنَا إِنَّ سِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَانَا الْإِمَامُ مُسْلِمْ نَرَيْتِ مِنْ حَدِيثِ مِنْ حَدِيثِ مِنْ عَبَّاسِ Allah says, قَدْ فَعَلْتُ This is dua. رَبَّنَا أَوْ أَوَ اللَّوْرِ لَا تُؤَخِذْنَا Don't hold us account for إِنَّ سِينَا If we forget أَوْ أَخْطَانَا Or if we do a mistake. The messenger said in the hadith, Al-Imam Muslim narrated in his sahih, min hadith ibn Abbas, Allah said, Qad fa'altu. I have done that for you, what you asked me for. Meaning, I'm not going to hold you account for what? For what you do out of mistake or forgetfulness. Allah is saying that subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qad fa'altu. So we know already that something you do out of forgetfulness or you do it out of a mistake, it's disbelief to stand on the mushaf, true or false. It is. Kufrun billah. If somebody takes the mushaf, puts it on the floor, puts his leg on it, he disbelieves. But what about if he, if he thought it was a catalogue? He, he, he thought, he picked up a mushaf, he put it on the floor, he took another you know, book and he put it on top of the mushaf and they stood on it and he was trying to get something from somewhere and then when he came down, he realized, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. I was standing on the mushaf. Is this disbelief? La. It's khata. It's a mistake. Huh? It's a what? I remember, wallahi, a man who did, this happened to him. He took a mushaf, he put it on the floor, he put something else on top of it and he went and he took it. And then when he came down, a brother saw him and said, La, because he had takfir mindset. So he looked at him and said, Inna lillahi, you're a kafir. You are a kafir. Here, come to me, sit down. Say, Ashhadu. Wallah, wallah, it's not a joke. Say, say it after me. Ashhadu, Ashhadu. Allah, Allah, ilaha, ilaha, illallah. 
وأشهد وأشهد وأنمعه. He said it. Say after me. He only said after him. Even worse than that, he gave him another th- second fatwa. Here was the second fatwa. He goes, all of the hajj that you did, all of the good that you did before is all nullified. Now you have to do hajj again. Now you have to do redo your marriage. I said, A'udhu Billah, Akhi. A'udhu Billah. Did you not read 42 hadiths of Imam al-Nawi? The 40 al-Nawi. Why? There's a hadith in Allah tajawaz an ummati al-khata' wa nisyan wa mastukri alayhi. Are we all together? So these things, brothers, these hadiths here are very comprehensive. Very comprehensive hadiths. They'll benefit you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. But remember the duress, I mean the coercion, you're coerced, you can't do to cause harm to someone else. So a person put a gun to your head and then they said, for instance, go rape that woman, for instance. You can't say, okay, I'm under coercion, I have to do it. No, you can't. You're not allowed to. Or they put a gun to your head and then they said, kill this person. You can't. You can't. So what you can do under ikrah is limited or it's mentioned. It's not unrestricted. But if they tell you to disbelieve in Allah Azza wa Jalla and say, insult Islam, insult the Prophet, insult the religion, then you can to save your life. You can. You can insult the deen, you can insult everything. الحديث الأربعون عن عن ابن عمر عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال أخذ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بمن كبي فقال كن في الدنيا كأنك غريب أو عابر سبيل وكان ابن عمر رضي الله عنه عنهما يقول إذا أمسيت فلا فلا تنتظر تنتظر الصباح صباحا وإذا أصبحت فلا تنتظر المساء وخذ من صحتك لمرضك ومن ومن حياتك لموتك رواه البخاري. This hadith is one of the hadith that remind us of how short this world is. It's the hadith used for قصر الأمل. Some people, they have a long, long amal. Like, I'm going to live, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to do this, and 10 years after that, I'm going to do this, and 30 years after that, I'm going to... Have you not seen people who are very old, and they say, my future plans are... <laughs> you live in the future. <laughs> you are in the future. <laughs> this is your future. Well, you see that this is it's a person who doesn't have there was a story I read one time that a man he led the salah oh, he, so they were leading the salah and they didn't have an imam so then they asked one man go lead and he said no I don't want to lead they said no no please lead us and he said no I don't want to lead and they said no you have to you know the Quran more than us and you're and he said okay but tomorrow, make sure you guys don't ask me to lead again. I will do it today, but don't ask us. Don't ask me to do it uh, tomorrow. They said, A'udhu Billah. Do you believe that you're going to live tomorrow? Do you pray your salah like you're going to live tomorrow? They said, please don't lead us now. Let someone else lead us. I mean, we pray our salah like it's the last prayer. Qasrul Amal. Walidhalik Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he said, that one of you, death is closer to you than your shoelaces. You live your life like that. So the Prophet is teaching his companion, 
live this in this world as though you are a tra as though you are a traveler or a person who's crossing a road. That's how you live your life. Um, some of the scholars they brought a benefit out here. They said that when it comes to your ibadat is what the deen, the hadiths are referring to. Pay attention to this. Your religious way is that you you do your ibadah to the best of your ability. You do the ta'at to the best of your abilities. But when it comes to worldly accomplishment, you work as though you're never going to live. So you're never going to die, sorry. Because it's true, if the Muslim doesn't work as though long-term pl long plans, if he doesn't make it, then the work ethics is going to be very low. Are you there, brothers? So you work hard. You work to the future. You put plans together. But your ibadah and your ta'a of Allah and His Messenger is like your salah. You pray with khushu' like you're never going to live after this. The ibadah, the sadaqah, the way you give it is like, I'm going to die tomorrow. I may not have the ability to give the sadaqah. Let me give it now. This is the uh, hadith. Kun fi dunya abri sabirin. They said that. Naam. Al hadith al hadi wal arba'un. عن أبي محمد عبد الله ابن ابن عمرو ابن ابن العاص رضي الله عنهما قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يكون هواه تبع تبع عن لما جئت جئت به حديث حسن صحيح رويناه في كتاب الحجة بإسناد صحيح Al-Hujjah uh, here means the kitab mukhtasar al-Hujjah ala tariq al-Muhajjah. That's the kitab he's referring to here. Abi Muhammad Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Asim, the great noble sahabi, radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father. Qala, he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, la yu'minu ahadukum that one of you is not a believer, hatta yakunu hawahu tab'al lima ji'tu bihi. That one of you is not a believer until what? Until his desires is in line with what? Until his desires in, is in line with what I came with. Okay? So this is taken from the kitab Al-Hujjah ala, ala Tariq al-Mahajjah by Abil Fath Nasr ibn Ibrahim al-Maqdisi's kitab. That's what he's referring to. So the person's desires has to be in line with the Quran and the Sunnah. You want something, Allah and His Messenger sanction something else, take it. فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِمُكَ فِي مَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدُوا فِي أَنفُسِمْ حَرَجًا مِمَّا قَضَيْتَ وَيُسَلِّمُ تَسْلِيمًا If Allah and His Messenger pass a ruling in a matter and they give a judgment in a matter you don't have a choice anymore my beloved brother and sister you have no choice وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ you and I have no choice anymore. Our choice is out of the window. We're what? We have no choice. The believer is like a camel that is held from the nose. He goes wherever direction. Why the nose and not the neck? Because if it's the neck, you can pull back. You can say, no, don't pull me. If the rope is on your neck. But if the rope is on your nose, you'll go wherever you are uh, forced to. So brothers, Submit to the Quran and the Sunnah. It has for you prosperity and success. Wallahi, Allah hasn't come to oppress you and wrong you. 
He came to bring you to light and khair and good. Yeah. This religion is, 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 is freeing you from the shackles of worshipping your desires. Are you with me? Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, they, they ran away from being slaves to Allah and they ended up becoming slaves to their nafs. Look at that, wallahi. They ran away from being slaves to Allah and they became slaves for who? Their own desires. And they became slaves for shaitan. Well, I have seen people who are addicted with things. Addicted with, to alcohol, addicted to drugs, and they're crying. They are crying. They're like, I can't do this. I want to stop. Please help me. Sah? Are you with me? So, he's crying just like a slave does not like what his master is doing to him. The nafs has become the master. And the nafs is telling him what to do, and he doesn't like it. He, he, he feels the shackles of his nafs and the shaitan. And he's crying and he's depressed and he's like this. Ah. Like in Wallahi, when you surrender yourself to Allah and you give to Allah. But when you worship Allah, there's a lot of khair and good in it for you. Your heart's going to find tranquility and prosperity. Naam. الحديث الثاني والأربعون عن أنس رضي عن أنس رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول قال الله تعالى يا ابن آدم إنك إنك ما دعوتني ورجوتني ورجوتني غفرت غفرت لك على ما كان منك ولا أبالي يا يا ابن آدم لو لو بلغت ذنوبك ذنوبك عنانا عنان السماء ثم استغفرتني غفرت لك يا ابن آدم إنك لو أتيتني بقراب الأرض خطايا ثم لقيتني لا تشرك بي شيئا لآتيك بقرابها مغفرة لآتيتك بقرابها مغفرة رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح ابن النووي the last hadith that he brought is this hadith, hadith 42. It's the last hadith. <laughs> Allah wa ta'ala, he said, Ya ibn Adam. Ya ibn Adam means what? <coughs> the children of Adam. This shows us, brothers, number one, sharafu Adam alayhi salam, the honor of Adam, that everyone is his children. That is, everyone goes back to him. We all go back to him, sah? It also shows us, brothers, we might come from different parts of the world and we might come from different countries and different regions and different cultures and different societies and different tribes. But that is not where we are all from. Our original essence is what? Adam salam. That's why the Prophet said, The people are from Adam and Adam is from Turab, from sand. Are we all together? Adam's from the earth. So this is where we all go back. And the fact that we're different colors and different nations and different this and different that was made for us to recognize one another. This is all just a way of knowing who's who, which it's... Allah says, so, so you know each other. Huh? So you know one another. 
But we turned لِتَعَارَفُوا towards لِتُقَاتِلُوا Or whatever To fight one another To belittle one another To disrespect one another To refer to this one as something And this one as something This is These different countries And these different nations And these different lands that you're seeing It's just humans Imagine all the people in the world were one Just one They all look the same All the same color Imagine, it'll be some people they they like to marry a particular country, Methelen. Sah Methelen. They want to marry that country. They won't find that option. It's only one option. Yeah. It's like a person who's been told all of the ice creams are vanilla. You have to all eat vanilla ice cream, Methelen. Someone wants strawberry. What's Allah made all of this in different countries and different ethnicities. I mean. It's all there to recognize one another. Okay? To recognize one another. You're this, okay. Okay, you're these people, okay. MashaAllah, Allah, baby. What country are you from? I'm from that country. Wow. What about you? Okay, I'm from this country. It's to recognize one another. Lacking, it's not to hate and grudge. And the minute you see that country, you're like, hmm, they're those people. They're well known. And when they see this country, like, yeah, is it them? And give this general title for all of those people. This is the problem. And this is common because people, try, people see one person from that country or they meet a few hands of people from that country. And whatever they see from that country, they say everyone's like that. If those five people are nice to them, like Allah, those people over that country, Allah, they're the best people I've ever met. You've already met five of them. Or he meets three of them. And, or five of them And they treat him in a very bad way And he says Subhanallah Those people I don't know where they came from And he gives a general ruling Are you with me? Every nation and every group They have good people in them And they have what? Bad people in them These things And these countries And these nations Are all made for recognition Just ta'aruf It's made for what? It's to know one another People use it outside that Allah said, Ya ibn Adam, the children of Adam, you do not supplicate to me and you don't ask from me. Warajawtani and you do not hope from me. From me. Then I will forgive you for that which has come from you. The mistakes that you did, I will forgive you for it. What's the best translation for wala ubali? I don't want to say Allah is saying I don't care. But what is the translation? Without hesitation, that's good. MashaAllah. Allah does it without any hesitation. Sah, Jameel. Yabna Adam, the children of Adam. If your sins they reach, they reach the sky. And you ask me for forgiveness. I will forgive you. You have sins that fill this earth. You did everything. Every evil there is, you, you swallowed it. You have not left an evil except you touched it. Imagine that, someone who's like that. You come to Allah, but you ask for forgiveness. You say, Allah Ghafartu laka, I will forgive you. Yabna Adam, the children of Adam. Allah says, Yabna Adam, If you come to me, this earth full of sins, whole entire earth full of sins, and you meet me the day of judgment. You're a Muslim lacking. 
You are a Muslim who didn't do shirk. But this whole world of sins, you did every sin on this earth. And you did not do shirk. Allah says, I will change the sins that you did into forgiveness. One condition like it. You did not do what? Shirk. You did every sin. This hadith gives good glad, good glad tidings, right? Rahu Tirmidiyu, and Imam Tirmidhi narrated this hadith. And this shows us, brothers and sisters, it shows us how merciful and kind Allah is, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how Allah wants to take care of us. Inshallah ta'ala, we finished the Arba'oon and Nawawiyah. Um, that was the conclusion. Hey, yeah, you're going to read the last part? There's no last, the Khatima. Is there, is there Khatima in there? No, that's Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali added those eight. Does it have where it says, let me read it then, the last Khatima. Then, because the book hasn't finished. I'm not going to translate it. I'm just going to read it, inshallah. خاتمة الكتاب فهذا آخر ما قصدت من بيان الأحاديث التي جمعت قواعد الإسلام وتضمنت ما لا يحصى من أنواع العلوم في الأصول والفروع والآداب وسائر وجوه الأحكام وها أنا أذكر بابا مختصرا في ضبط خفي ألفاظها مترتبة لألا يغلط في شيء منها وليستغني بها حافظها عن مراجعة غيره في ضبطها ثم أشرع في شرحها إن شاء الله تعالى في كتاب مستقل وأرجو من فضل الله تعالى أن يوفقني فيه لبيان مهمات من اللطائف وجمل من الفوائد والمعارف لا يستغني مسلم عن معرفة مثلها ويظهر لمطالعها جزالة هذه الأحاديث وعظم فضلها وما اشتملت عليه من النفائس التي ذكرتها وما اشتملت عليه من النفائس التي ذكرتها والمهمات التي وصفتها ويعلم بها الحكمة باختيار هذه الأحاديث الأربعين وأنها حقيقة بذلك عند الناظرين وإنما أفردتها عن هذا الجزء ليسهل حفظ الجزء بانفراده ثم من أراد ضمن الشرح إليه فليفعل ولله عليه المنة بذلك إذ يقف على نفائس اللطائف المستمططة من كلام من قال الله في حقه وما ينطق عن الهوى إن هو إلا وحي يوحى ولله الحمد أولا وآخرا وباطنا وظاهرا سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد لا إله إلا الله استغفرك Tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to do Nukhbatul Fikr, inshallah ta'ala.